Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What's happening, weirdos? An amazing episode with uh, my buddy Brett Gelman. So funny, such a great comic, such a great improviser, such a great actor, and here he is being a wonderful podcast guest who's actually on uh, the weirdest and most awkward live episode some of you may remember from Outside Lands uh, all that time ago. We talk about that briefly and somewhat fondly as uh, such a traumatic thing can actually be spun into a fond memory. Uh, I suppose. Anyway, uh, this is uh, this is me buying time while I think about what's happening. Oh, right. I'll tell you about some tour dates. How about some tour dates? We got a new one. I'm coming to Minneapolis, Minnesota uh, for the Women's Club Assembly. That's the venue. You don't have to be a woman. Uh, it's That's on September 25th. That just got added to the regular lineup. Houston, Dallas, Minneapolis, Chicago, Toronto, and Utah. Check that out. And our sponsor, I'm happy to say, is actually, I believe he was the third ever guest on the podcast, Dimitri Martin. Dimitri is back with a brand new Netflix comedy special. I'm looking forward to seeing this. He's one of my absolute favorites. You've got to check it out. He's got something to say about acoustic guitar, hairless cats, color schemes, and the word nope. We're not quite sure what it is, but there sure is a lot of it. That's a great line. Watch the special. They're not quite sure what it is, but there sure is a lot of it. Dimitri Martin, live at the time, now streaming only on Netflix. All right, guys, PeteHolmes.com for your T-shirt to eat lead cobra, werewolves vote. You got Prince, Piano Keys, PD is my homeboy, uh, The Wolf, uh, The Truman Show, A Chomp Chomp. And I hope to see you guys out. Houston, Dallas, Minneapolis, Chicago, Toronto, or West Valley City, Utah. All right, guys, get into it. I was in my mind kind of fantasizing about you waiting. Oh. And I was was pee-peeing. Oh, this isn't about you not telling me you were also late. This is just about me being late. No, I know. And I don't know. Do you do that? I catch myself having like a rational, uh, very low-level irrational fears, meaning... Yeah. You, I come on, you're sitting here, I'm like, hey, Aristotle, hey, Brett, sorry, uh, you're late, and you just go like, it's okay, it's like just really disrespectful, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, like just something like that, like a low-level <laughs> terror. Um, I mean... <laughs> I didn't mean to whip out my uh, I have, uh, <laughs> no, I'm flattered, man, I'm flattered always by your impression of me. So much power in that impression. <laughs> That's right. It's a, so much influence. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a room, an energy shifting, yes, presence. Yes, yeah. yeah. It used to just be John Mulaney's a really good friend. Of mine. <laughs> He's a good friend of mine. That's I'm losing it as I did. Go. I say <coughs> that he you was said, a really good friend of mine. I remember being at Sweet, the Slipper Room, back in the. So we've known each other for yeah, a long time. A long time. Peripherally, we've yeah, we, and that's we, when you came on the scene. I came on the scene, and there's Brett Gelman doing ten thousand cats. I was yeah, again, still in the periphery of the scene. Oh no, no, I, I meant that. Actually, <laughs> no, I, I know what you meant. I mean, I'm I'm bringing up. You're saying that to yourself. I'm bringing up a peripheral. Uh, well, you were always a thing. I got I, 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 like a, like a. 
It sounds so condescending to call someone an artist, but I do mean it. Like, you would do strange, interesting, avant-garde. Yeah. Let's say avant-garde. Right. Like, I'd be on suite, and I'd get up, and I'd be like, ice packs, uh, the uh, frozen peas, that's an edible ice pack. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing that. And then, ladies and gentlemen, Brett Gelman, and you'd be like, I'm going to take the audience on a date. Right. That sort of right, fearless, right, right. I don't care if you're laughing every three seconds. The whole thing is the piece. I not, know. Not that they wouldn't laugh every three seconds, but it no, wasn't. No, I know. It's, it wasn't about bang, 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 bang. Yeah, it's that's something I always uh, struggle with. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> uh, well, we'll get to that. But like uh, back to what you were saying, irrational fears. Yeah, I mean, I have irrational fears. Uh, I have to actually monitor my irrational fears on a moment-to-moment basis. Is that right? That is my whole day a lot of the time. I couldn't be more interested. Tell me about those. Oh, I spend most of my days in in a spiral. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. I think of you grilling. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I think of you... Drinking an artisanal cocktail with your lovely uh, <laughs> lady wife is a wife, yeah, fiance, fiance, yeah. Your girlfriend, like, like you having know. a beautiful wife. I mean, you know, yeah. I see. We've been together. We've lived together for five years. Been she, together for six. She's so. lovely, wonderful energy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I see you guys like at flea markets and fun times, and yeah, I don't. You know, I don't think it's a compliment or not a compliment, but I don't think of you as a spiraling person. No, uh, we're active, and I think we're both good at uh, not revealing that to too many people, yeah. you know, and trying to be as gracious as I can. I think that as people get closer and closer to me, they they realize that, oh, oh, he, uh, you know, he's he spirals. It's not the cute. This guy's got to take up meditation. <laughs> <laughs> I had two people, two nights in a row, I was on a movie set. I was doing uh, this movie in Minneapolis recently. Which one? Just one scene. Go ahead. Which one? I have one scene in Wilson. Okay, what's Wilson? Which is apropos since we're in Meltdown. It's written by Daniel Klaus, who is a graphic novelist, who uh-huh. is one of my favorite writers. He uh, he had a uh, a graphic. He had a comic book called Eight Ball. Okay, and uh, in that comic book, what was most notably, you probably know, a uh, Ghost World, which yeah. they, which mm-hmm. he wrote a screenplay for. That, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Didn't that get Terry made? Zweigoff. Yeah, made. That was Wasn't the that... beginning of Scarlett Johansson's career. ScarJo. That was pre Lost in Translation. Oh my Scar goodness! Jo. Yeah, when she wasn't. Even hot yet, she was like she might be hot one day, but she's a child, yeah, and uh, we shouldn't think of her that way. I don't like and seeing then, those like almost hot uh, children. They did a good. <laughs> no, she's not. She was. She was. Uh, she. They didn't make her hot in it. In they what? Didn't make her Ghost hot. World. No, but you saw that she was a beautiful but girl. In, in Lost in Translation, it's kind of. Oh, she perfect. is hot. That is hot. She's hot, and that is hot. There's just like something that you're kind of like. This is a slightly yellow uh, tomato. It's right. a slightly green tomato, I guess. Right. You know but I mean? she was of age and lost in translation. Yeah, correct? sure. Yeah. The man's behind it, but it doesn't mean <laughs> I'm still a little bit like, ee. Right. Autobiographical. I think that's part of it, the E. Yeah, that no, that's film, exactly I think right. It's, that's exactly a, right. A great film. I, it's one of my faves. Uh, and the E is is definitely think, part of it. Yeah, I then think Sofia feeling... Coppola is aware of that. Yeah. And had it been directed by uh, what's uh, what's uh, Sophie's uh, not Sophie's choice, uh, Rosemary's Baby? <laughs> oh, Maybe we would have uh, felt... Polanski. <laughs> if it had been Polanski, we might have been a little more 
<laughs> right. Not that he's not uh, great in his own way. Right. <laughs> not that he didn't write great roles for women. Uh, <laughs> Wait, he did. Rosemary's Baby. He did. Oh, okay. yeah. He did. Oh, no, he, he did. I w- I was I, actually, well, I mean, he didn't. Did he write Rosemary's Baby? No, I think it was a He book. didn't write. And he didn't write Chinatown. That was Robert Town. Robert C. Town, Chinatown. <laughs> yeah, Robert Town wrote Chinatown. <laughs> he, originally, it was called Robert, Robert Town, Town, but they I, were like, "What the hell is this?" He's like, "It's Chinatown," and they were like, "Well, why not just call it Chinatown?" Oh, I really think it would be funny, you know. <laughs> it's a bit. <laughs> we should. We should. We should pitch Robert, Robert Town. Town to Chinatown. I mean, to Robert Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and you know. and uh, funny enough, Robert Town made his nickname China. <laughs> that movie came out. It's not true. Uh, but that's a great, you Please know, he China. knew how to direct. Yeah, one of those guys. I mean, I don't know. Up until that point, I just watched that Frank Sinatra documentary. I haven't watched all of it. I've watched some yeah, of it. It's two I mean, parts. It's, yeah. it's quite an undertaking. But uh, that guy, uh, they talk about women issues. Oh, for sure. And I, <laughs> I, I did love that film, and it made me love Sinatra. But I've always associated Sinatra just with like the mascot of like like bad impulses. Like, yeah, I hit my dame or whatever yeah. it was. I don't know if he ever hit a, hit a woman, but it just yeah, it felt like he did. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, you know, he definitely threatened. To. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I I think that I mean a lot of our heroes and a lot of our friends and peers I think are all subject to uh um unmanageable uh bad behavior. Right. You know, because the pressures of of our industry and having an artistic temperament, things like depression and unchecked rage and things, you know, all yep. of this shit that like built up to make us want to do what we do right if you don't deal with it it's going to start backfiring and back then you weren't encouraged to deal with it right it, going to a shrink we call it a shrink go to a shrink yeah. or meditating forget it whatever it was that you were being uh, right recommended and now even with all the shrinks and the meditation people still act all fucked up of course uh, maybe even more so because we expect those things to save us yeah or <laughs> yeah or we, we think oh i'm doing this now so i'm right. okay right, i mean right, right. i know uh me myself i mean and friends of mine be like i'm doing great i'm doing so good Right, and then two days later, you find out that they did the most fucked up thing you've ever heard of them doing. <laughs> that is it's the story, crazy. though. That's almost like the hubris. But it's like uh, you know, I got this from a Garrison Keillor book. But he's like, you can't just go to church and call yourself a Christian, sort of thing. Like you can't park yourself in a garage and call yourself a car, and you also can't call yourself healthy just because you go to therapy. Right, and you can't call yourself. Uh, at peace because you meditate. You know what I mean? Like, I often am in a, a grumpy mood the moment I finish meditating, actually, yeah. because I was in such a serene place, and then the world is like, ring, 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 like right, phones right. and fax machines yeah. and the internet dialing up. I can't handle but, modern life. And, and you know, <laughs> hey, and maybe, maybe that's the grumpiness is not necessarily negative. It's who you are in that moment and how that is affecting you. That's right. And the, I mean that's that's the whole thing. That is like, that is the thing that uh, you know I deal with all the time, and I know a lot of people deal with. You know, everybody I know for the most part is always. You know, everybody wants to be this image of themselves. This like this, 
And so we're doing therapy. We're working hard. We're getting into relationships. We're, we're trying in to order, play in order the part. to be like, so I'm good. The map is fucking laid out for me for the rest of my life. Right. I'm good. You but even- that's not how we are made up. Tell me uh, what. what we're made up to be moment in the moment animals and do the best that we can in the moment. And anything outside of the moment is fantasy. I agree. And even something like, I'm a grumpy guy. I hate when people say things like, oh, yeah. I can't focus. It's just how I am. It's like, don't surrender. Like, people are always telling you who you are. And we either believe them or don't. And, and like you're saying, we're always rearranging the pieces. Oh, Brett's up. He's serious. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Which might just be like your deep voice and dark features. You know, you have dark hair. So and then I keep telling you, like, you're serious, you're serious. I look like a goof. People go, you're a goof, you're a goof, you're a goof. But even beyond physical appearances, just like your preferences start molding. But the truth is, I've likened your personality or who you are as like an underwater sea castle. Like a, <laughs> it's a sand castle you're making underwater, and every moment is different. I, right. shock, I shock myself all the time. Yeah. Like a flare-up of, like, random... Like a cheap example would be horniness or, or like I want to eat a, a wedge of cookie dough or something. Right. You know? But like we also have all these other things, these colors and, and feelings that don't really have commonplace definitions. Yeah, and we are – and we're contradictory. Exactly. We are, you know, I would say, two different people. I mean I feel like every – if you asked somebody – if you asked someone about everyone that we know yeah. or you know, just about you, yeah, the amount of – Different takes people would have on you. That's right. That well, that seemed like fact. That's from right. How they they were saying it. That's right. And it seemed like well, that is how. But I that's do. the thing is is when I talk about the mystery, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Ramdas talks about going through a town. You're horny and I'm hungry. How was the town? Well, there was a Wendy's. Uh, there was a Burger King. I smelled barbecue uh, by the right. park. You're like I saw tits. I saw an like same town, completely different report. Yeah. Same thing. I'm a tall guy. I come off as confident. Sometimes I'm just like, I'm sure 15 times a day, people that don't know me, strangers that don't know me, just look at me and go like, look at this fucking asshole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because oh, they're yeah. projecting something onto me. So that inconsistent thing. I, I know people think I'm an asshole. Yeah. And I know people think that I'm the nicest guy they've ever met. That's right. It, and And – and, you know, my my true, you know, the people who are the closest to me know me as both of those things. That's and many more things than that. Of fucking course. And this is where unconditional love comes in. This is where you get, hopefully, a girlfriend, life partner, a fiancé, whatever you got, that sees you and loves you. Your mother is supposed to be, or, you know, t- hopefully both of your parents are supposed to be the model of that. Right. And then we want that the rest of our lives. And then we know it when we see it. And it, unfortunately, it's so rare to have someone go like, so, like, what's so bad about saying sometimes I am an asshole, sometimes I, I am greedy. Like, I catch myself making, like, little – I don't think I'm overall greedy. You understand? Mm-hmm. I'll make, like, a greedy choice, like, in a, right. se- a secret moment or right, something. Right, of like, course. Everybody does this stuff. But then the, the, the mask that we wear, which is what I think we're talking about, your personality – and oftentimes therapy can, bad therapy, can just be helping you play that part better instead of, as you said, it being a moment-to-moment animal. I might phrase that differently. I would say like owning yourself to a global consciousness of, of the moment. Well, yes, yes. But I, I, I wasn't changing what you said. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. I would say the Well, animals thing. have – that's what animals have. Of course. <laughs> Will you give me a high vibe? <laughs> yeah, man. It's unironic. <laughs> we did it. Ask an, e- ask an eagle what time it is. He says now. 
Yeah, exactly. The fuck my is going dog, on? When I walk her, she is aware of the neighborhood. Yeah, she is aware of who's who pissed there, who shit there. Yeah, you know, she's in it. She knows it, and she is only uh, relating to herself in many ways. Well, actually, my dog, I think actually dogs are the most lovable narcissists. Yeah, yeah, they are pretty narcissistic. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I, I really, was just walking my dog too. Yeah. I agree that they, but they have that floodlight consciousness. They're able, though, to insert themselves in something in the moment in a much purer way. They are who we should all strive to be. Well, that's right. <laughs> the smart ones, the smart dogs. No, I understand. And that's why they get so excited when you come back, because when you leave, that's a forever thing. They don't have future tense. They don't have, right. I'll see you later. Right. They kind of understand it viscerally, I think. My dog knows at night. My dog doesn't sleep in the bedroom. So when I close the bedroom door, he knows, oh, it's this thing that we do. Right. But then I think he's just, and now tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> like, I think right. he's right there. But they also have, and, and I really do, but I don't think that my dog just loves me because I take care of her, I think. There's a. I don't like when human beings say that type of thing because not to get all hit. I just think it's like another attempt for us to just like claim our superiority over the rest of the planet. But I think is pathetic. I understand. I and 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 you know, and with every passing day, shows how untrue that is. But like, mm-hmm. I you know, I, I think it's also when I leave, she's like that person who I love mm-hmm. is leaving. Mm-hmm. That sucks. I want you by me. If you're not by me, my life is worse. <laughs> but that could be completely narcissistic. I understand. Not on my own. T- on my Buddy, own uh, first, in my own mind. Firstly, to agree is it creeps me out when I hear people go like, "My dog would die for me. My dog, he would die for me." And I'm like, "Yeah, why do we have to define it like that? Why do we have to think of it as like he? Yeah. Knows, he knows I'm the cheese. He knows." He knows. Right. But I'm also like as loving and open as a person as I'm trying to be. I'm not saying I necessarily. Right, right, right. Trying to be. I'm reluctant to accept the love of my dog. I typically do go, he's a pack animal. He, he likes me around because he likes knowing where we are. Yeah. And I, I have a hard time tra- uh, converting that into my dog loves me. I, yeah. I, I know I love my dog, but I don't necessarily think – then, then I see him bring like a slipper or something. I'm like, he definitely loves my smell. <laughs> oh, right. Like he likes me. He likes my things. He likes the carp. I, I don't know. Maybe I should loosen up and just be like, my dog loves me. I don't know. I grew up with. I always felt like my dogs loved me and loved my family and were very human like. Yeah. I think there are dog dogs and human dogs. Interesting. And dogs that are more prone to be like ball, like food now, <laughs> and then. This then there's more like, human dogs that are a like manifesto to like a dog genocide. There's the good dogs, and then there's the uh, you know just no, dog but dogs. most dogs are good dogs, uh, and 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 I, and I like the dog dogs too. They're fun and I they're understand. like goof. I mean, they're dumb. Mm-hmm. I guess smart dogs and and dumb dogs. No, I understand. As there are smart people and dumb people. Yeah, and different levels of dog dogishness. Yeah, exactly, and then <laughs> the you know the dog, my dog, who's very smart goes. Food now, but yeah. also, hey, what's with your energy? Yeah, like, what's going on with you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. Every day yeah. when I first got my dog, it was not a match. Not right. just my dog. I think my dog's a great dog. He's objectively a great dog. Uh, but I was like, this is not for me. I don't like something that needs me. Uh huh. Because some people, people are like, cats ignore you. I'm like, no, cats are good. That's two. That's two people going through the same town. That's what we were talking about. Right. 
You think the cat's ignoring you. I think the cat is independent. Uh-huh. I, I had a tweet, but it sums up how I feel. I go, you can tell I was raised with cats because the command I most often give my dog is go live your life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I literally will say that to him. I'm like, what do you, what do you need, man? Why, why do you keep following me? Go live your life. Like I'd be happy if you were just upstairs licking a ball. Right, but right. he's not. He's always following me. He's, he's like, he's right, a yeah, hurting exactly, animal. yeah. But, so I mean, you want space. This is the thing. You yeah. want space to be able to, <laughs> you know, and that's something you know about yourself. That this is the thing, and then but then you have to go past that in order to take care of the dog. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's an interesting thing because it's like that's our struggle is to accept what is really going on inside of us and then strive to be better without denying Buddy, what is honestly happening. You are killing it because that is really, I, I hate to say this, but I look at my dog as I look at everything. When people say everything happens for a reason, I think that's a cheap watered down hallmark version of a deeper truth, which right. is every situation can be activated or employed as more, uh, Moving more growth, yeah. Let's just say growth, yeah. You could say enlightenment, and I would like yeah. to, but let's just say growth, right? I get a dog, and the dog is not for me, but then I realize, okay, the dog's not for you, feed the dog, okay, the dog's not for you, walk the dog, the dog's not for you, force yourself to like snuggle the dog. Dog lovers think I'm an animal right now, they think I'm a monster, because yeah. They're like, why wouldn't you want to sm- snuggle the dog because he smells, he rolls around, his ass is on, like, it's not for me, right? But you fake it. There's time, and then a lot of life, I think, is going a lot of bad relationships. You go, I'll just fake it. I'll just keep faking it. And you shouldn't do that. That's not a good expression of your truth. But there are things like children and dogs and gardens that need your uh, irrational love. Yeah. Need a love that doesn't appeal to your inner life. Yeah, and in a way that's, you know, it's like certain aspects of change, I guess, is like craft. You know, you're crafting out, uh, you know, when you first started doing comedy – Yes. You're aware of these these tools that you know you've been told to use that you see other comedians using. And then you try to uh use those tools in your own work. Right. It feels very self-conscious. Yep. And you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it and you're honest about how that self-conscious use of craft mm-hmm. affected your set that night. Right. And then at a certain point if you're good you it becomes more second nature. It or, becomes more embedded in who it you dissolves really are. it, it mixes. We shake up the water and it kind of becomes yeah. invisible. Yeah, exactly. You know, man, again, I'm sorry. I I happen to be one of those people that thinks every topic and every conversation is about awakening. So you're just gonna have to I feel like you're okay with that. Oh, I do too, yeah. Ram Das talks about So you've read Be Her Now. I, I'm obsessed with yeah, Ram yeah. Das. I'm obsessed with uh, his lectures specifically. Is I he lo- alive still? He is. I'm going to Hawaii. Richard Alpert, Baba Ram Das. That's yeah. right, that's right. Ram Das. New movie coming out, can't wait to see it. If the makers hear this, please fucking send it to me. I couldn't see it when I was in San Francisco. And why don't you just put it on iTunes? I want to see it now. Oh. It's called uh, Dying to Know. It's about Tim Leary and Richard Alpert. Oh, wow, that's Can't great. wait. <clears throat> but anyway, there's all these free uh, lectures of Ram Das on YouTube. I don't think it's a YouTube thing. I think it's like a long drive in the car. Yeah. You put it on without looking at the video, obviously. Right. Just a still. Sure. But anyway, he says this wonderful thing in his series Experiments in Truth. He talks about the method, and you're talking about the method for stand-up being the craft. So right. you learn, like, it's funny to self-deprecate, let's say that. Yeah. Or it's, what happened? Are we still on? Yeah. Uh, Am I still on? <laughs> okay. We just lost the power on our earphones. And I, oh, oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. That was okay, so great. jarring. 
Fantastic. It's like when I'm napping and the white noise goes off. It's <laughs> like, ah, what the fuck? That was the universal consciousness saying, don't listen to yourself. <laughs> that is Stop br- bullshitting. That's brilliant. Get your own heads out of your asses. That's you brilliant. You fucking pretentious dickhead. Yeah. You think you got it figured out? How about no mics? Yeah. Talk, promote your fucking shows and your movies and shit and your dates. You, you know what this is. what we want. Yeah. Be funny, yeah. you fucking monkeys. <laughs> I want to hear you talk about Baba Ram Dass, huh? Oh, God, yeah, it's, it's Ram Dass in the first half. It's Alan Watts in the second, right, you fuckheads? I actually already referenced Alan Watts when I said spotlight conscious. I do like Alan Watts, who died an alcoholic. Did he really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, he was an alcoholic, and he died from alcoholism, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong. I think that's true, though. See, and then uh, going back A very to- enlightened man, though. But I know, yet- going back to what we were saying. Which is it, holy man or alcoholic? Both. Both. Which is it, virgin or mother? Both. Both. That's the story. That's the message of any mystical story. Right, right. Is it that it's both? Okay, sorry. Uh, what I was saying was you take an impression or you take self-deprecation or whatever it is, and then you employ it on stage and people can see it. They can see that you're that. Right. And then uh, Ram Dass talks about that's the method. So let's say you're meditating or let's say you're a, a Hasidic Jew. That's your method. <laughs> But he says that like any decent method, once it brings you there, I'm paraphrasing, will have the decency to self-destruct and leave you uh-huh. without method. Because you, he says this, and I think, it's really, I think he's really funny. He goes, yeah. you don't want to be a meditator. You want to be free. You don't want to be a Jew. You want to be free. You don't want to be a Christian. You want to be free. You don't want to be Alan Watts. You want to be free. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's not about the method. It's about, yeah. it's about getting there and whatever gets you there. Yeah. We're, we're really getting into it. No, that's the whole thing is like – when it comes down to what we do, you know, we what we're what we're striving to do is is gain this these moments of freedom and forgetting in our work, yep. which we do when we're doing our work, when we feel like it's going well, That's and right. then everything that surrounds it is the most petty, selfish, bigoted bullshit, which is the business. Oh yes, which is this Isn't like that weird? this intellectualization of this. Thing yes. that we are doing it's the legality and we're the, yeah when we're the spiritual and so how can we expect that selling something as pure as art which is one of the you know only reasons that human beings are, are worth anything yeah is, is uh is then you know is then intellect it has to be then intellectualized in order to be sold to people who uh spend their days thinking that way that's right and the true artistic experience, that feeling of losing yourself yeah. and merging into the project or merging into the moment or being fully present yeah. or transcending your, your, your lower humanity and creating something amazing, that is what I would call a mystical experience. And a mystical experience can't be mass-consumed. So right. instead, all religions and all you know, kind of philosophies often get reduced into this, like, you're with us or against us, you're either scoring points or losing points. I'm paraphrasing Richard Rohr right now. Or you're going to hell or you're going to heaven or you're in grace or you're out of grace. Right. When, when really it has nothing to do with that. Like, the, the, the thirst for an actual experience, whether it be artistic, sexual, uh, or spiritual, or whatever it is, or, yeah. or culinary. Those are the big, yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. It's like there's a... There's a, a, a amazing meals out there right and instead we're all getting mcdonald's you just go like this has food and this has cheese right. on it and eat it and shut the fuck up yeah when all the prophets or the chefs going like no if you cook it and you smell the cheese <laughs> why, why was it cosby and the that's what he was saying 
right as he said, look at uh, what's that? Is that a ghost on the other side of the room? Boop, pill. Alka-Seltzer. Aww. Um, Well, that is the thing about him, though, too, is that... The cause? Yeah, I mean, couldn't think of a more bigger contradictory figure than that. The cause? Yeah, not only like a great, you know, arguably the greatest stand-up ever... You know, if somebody said that sure. pre, I mean, all if, of this horror. If, uh, if the horror you know, hadn't it would, happened, you wouldn't disagree. You know, there's a few stand-ups where somebody goes, "Greatest stand-up yeah. ever." Yeah, you don't, you don't go. What are you talking about? Right. You know, if somebody says Cosby, you go, Pryor, oh, yeah, oh right, yeah, or Carlin or or Rock and or Fryer, Chappelle or you know Lenny Bruce. Pryor you know. was a Cosby ripoff for like ten years. Talk about method. That he shed. Right. You watch early prior, he's doing Cosby. Like, Cosby really did something incredible. Right. At that time, too, especially to become, like, a mainstream success in that culture, in that climate, I guess I should say. Well, that, that was a big, yeah, that was a big part of Cosby's art. Yeah. Was, was I need to bring myself to the people. I need to do material that everyone is going to relate to in this extremely deep way right? in order to justify the fact that when I get off this stage cool. and I am not with my family, I am a serial rapist. <laughs> I hope it wasn't so clear in his mind. Like that's the I don't l- think it was clear in his mind, but, but is, I think subconsciously that was what This was is on. what we call in stories the devil. You know what I mean? And, uh-huh. and I would say that is just a, a part of our own personalities. It's the part of you that says you deserve whatever you want. It's the evil advisor that is you. And Cosby, over time, you, you let it in a little bit and a little bit more. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, shit, I'm a serial rapist. And it's, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not letting him off the hook at all, but Oh, no, I'm no, just I don't think you are either. Evil either. has a tendency to yeah. slowly show up in increments. It comes in installments. It's like you won the evil lottery, and you were like, I don't want the lump sum. Give me the, give me the monthly payments. Yeah, and what, what people have to realize, too, about that is that Cosby was that guy who we loved as well as being a serial rapist. He, just was, he wasn't just a serial rapist. And that is why people – one of the reasons uh, I think people – are so upset about it because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it exists in every single person, the ability to do something horrible. It's hard, and we've said on the podcast, and I've, I've thought about taking it out before, this is what I'm about to say, because it's so hard. To, but I've heard wonderful, enlightened speakers talking about, like, they'll say something like, the Spirit of God exists in everybody, or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're like, Hitler had it too. You know what I mean? Had the potential... For love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that sort of stuff. Right. And he just didn't. You know what I mean? He was, he was the worst. Right. <laughs> we agree. And, here, and you're saying you're really putting into practice what we were just talking about before where we're saying like everybody's both. Yeah. Every, like Cosby really bring, calls us to task, you know, yeah. and says, oh, you think that? Well, I'm a serial rapist. Yeah. And I did himself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Remember the dentist routine. And, and you wished, I name another comedian who more you wished was your father I when know. you were growing up. I know, and that paternal betrayal 
And this goes, but we know this with our own fathers. Is is our dad? Right. And these examples won't be specific because I I'm I'm terrified of my dad on a certain level. Right. So I'll keep it vague. I'm not terrified of him, but you know he's old school. And oh no, a little bit I intimidating. Mean, my dad is like, my dad is debilitated right now. You know he's really? very sick. He has oh, uh, he has Lewy body, which is the second most common form of dementia. Which I thought is you were just saying that breaks. No, he's Louis like, C.K. body. Like he's kind uh, of got a dad body. <laughs> he's not quite Louis Anderson body, but he's Louis C.K. body. And would really like to see him be like a Lou Ferrigno body, <laughs> right? Lou Fer- Louis Ferrigno body. <laughs> Sorry, friend. I thought you were uh, making a joke. Did you just call me Fred? I said friend. Oh, friend. Said, Sorry, friend. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to make a joke. I thought you were making a joke because you said he has Louie body. I was oh, like, oh, uh, he's no, a little I mean, fat. It's, it's been, you know, we've been dealing with it for a while. You got, hey, you got to laugh at everything. He's got dementia. We're not making, I, I don't think you're making fun of uh, my father when you're doing that. No. So don't worry about it. But no, I, uh, yeah, he's got dementia and he's like in a home mm. that, you know, his brain has been broken down to where he cannot move mm. really. He's very debilitated. And he's very out of it, you know. He still knows who I am, mm. but he doesn't really speak much. And you know, uh, it was wild because it was like I did this thing no more. I was like, "Hey, buddy, hey!" Buddy. I like got in his face this one day. I was visiting him. I was like, "Hey there, hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, hey!" Was there something? And on- he looked at me and he goes, "Shut the fuck up!" And like that's the only thing he said to me. And then it, even though this man is like couldn't even reach out to touch me it still like shook me oh, to my core oh. and there was an impulse in me to get out of there and or or be like fuck you old man fuck you yeah you know, there fight was the definite like primal fright or flight which is always happening with uh both our parents but which we have an easier time admitting is happening with our fathers when we're men i agree uh, that's so interesting. And I have that. I have many examples in my life. Uh, my dad is in his seventies now. So you'd think it would be a clear thing were it to come to blows. Yeah. The 36 year old guy is going to beat the 73 year old guy. Right. Like it's not fair. Like anybody, even if he had just done something atrocious to me would stop the fight. It's not fair. Right. It, never in my mind could I picture winning a fight with my dad. He'd just like crush my head with two hands. Right. And it would just like kind of that goes back to that irrational sort of. I'd probably, yeah. I mean, my father, you know, before he got put in the home was getting very violent. Is that right? Yeah. What, because you know, the of lobes the disease? were, yeah. yeah. He, the, the, whatever lobe had been atrophied was, you know, we all have thoughts throughout the day and right. impulses. Right. You know, that we have a part in our brain that says, don't follow that impulse it's not uh it's not acceptable right so that that part of his brain was atrophied and so if he thought well i'm going to attack right my other family members right now he would do it is that right yeah but he already had this a lack of control with his aggression anyway so it was it wasn't like who is this guy yeah it was a more heightened version of who I had grown up with. This and that's sounds- not to say that my father was a bad father in many, many ways. My father was very loving uh, uh, much of the time and, like, very uh, funny and very, you know, hard worker, took, you know, kept care of, you know, took care of us. Yeah. Always supported what I wanted to do with my life, which was this. So, you know, it's it's not, he's by no means a villain, but he did have this flaw that was uh, 
extreme even when right. I was growing up. Right. And he was a fighter. Tough guy. You know, it's inter- sorry to bring it back up, but like just the idea. I, I want to live in a world where the idea of the villain goes out the window. You know, tick. Not, yeah, tick, it would help a lot. A lot of these it zen, would help a lot. Zen guys say the beginning to like peace is trying to just be like, uh, what does he call it? Like aggressive listening or or active not, not active listening. That's a therapy thing. But like really like hearing out your enemy and being well, like, the, yeah. without trying to solve it, just being like. Holy shit, that's fucked up. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> villains are people with a, a an insane lack of accountability. Yeah, of, of <laughs> self awareness and accountability. Yeah, which is either uh, a chemical imbalance in the case of I'm sure you know of Adolf Hitler and mm. uh, Mr. Cosby. Mm. I mean, that's something that's insane insanity. Like that's insanity. You really think. think he might have a, a, a? I think that if you rape like. Anyone, you're that's an act of insanity. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I, not in the uh, this is so stupid, I shouldn't worry about how people are hearing that. But you're obviously not saying you should be able to plead insanity and be like, No, no, of course not. But it's like, no, of course, we not. could also say that a murder it's an act of violence. I think in an in ultimate act of violence is sure. an act of insanity. Of insanity. Uh, and you know what, and and I don't know. Actually, some acts of violence are are not insane. They're self defense. They're right. a protest, right? You know, uh, but there's no uh, self defense or, or protest in rape, right? There's so. no story where my back was against the wall. I'm not even trying to be funny right now. It's going to sound right. funny because it's a, a buzzword. That's okay. My, my back was against the wall. My family was going to die. And I, I raped everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, like, right. But there, there, are, there are stories. Just yeah. the absurdity of that is funny. But there, there are stories where I had to you know, save them. We watch movies like this all the time. Yeah. But I guess you know, I take it back. With, with Cosby, I definitely think that uh, – I mean just serial activity like that. I'm sure there's instances of – I don't think every rapist is insane. I think that there are certain people who uh, – you know like a fucking football player who's goaded into it by the other dudes. That's like some sort of like, it's evil. Yeah. But I, I, you know, and it, or it's deeply sick. I don't know if I would let them off the hook like that. It's well, I don't want to let rapists off the hook by saying, well, Oh, they're crazy. Well, you know, we talk about this all the time actually. And I think it bears repeating every time it comes up, which is in the future. Like if I were to write a science fiction movie, it would be the world that we, I think we're going to live in, barring some sort of like Atlantis-style catastrophe that brings us back to the beginning. Right. But uh, if we keep going, trials in the future will be like, uh, Brett, um, you uh, stabbed Pete. Okay. And then your lawyer says, yes, but that day <laughs> Brett had this much protein, this or whatever, and then we look at your brain and we go, this part of his brain was shut off. Look at this tiny tumor, you know what I mean, that was growing in his impulse. Control. Right. Like the tumor example, this is the one people know I bring up all the time. The uh, the sniper in Texas had the brain tumor My f- that shot all those people and he, yeah. he wrote in his suicide note. He was well, like, the, what was his name? Uh, I forget. I always Jesus forget. Christ. Aristotle from the, the, from the book tower. Yeah. Or from the... The more recent example... Was it a book? No, it wasn't a book tower. What was it? Grassy Knoll? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe it was the Grassy Knoll. Oh, I think okay. all, all shootings happen from a Grassy Knoll. Yeah, they all... They as all. soon as you do it, it becomes a No, even knoll. if you're in like a hotel room, you build a Grassy Knoll, <laughs> but then you bring a bunch of grass up there. My, <laughs> and, 
more favorite example is the guy who had pedophilic urges and then went to the doctor, had a, had a tumor, had it removed and the urges stopped, then knew the tumor was growing back because he started having pedophilic urges. Is that a word? Again. So in the future, kind of a minority report style future, lawyers arguing for the, the chemistry of your brain being right. responsible for this, that, and the other. And, yeah. then, and then we go, well, where is the human in that? Where is the will? Where is free will? Where is, you know, it, it's free will versus uh, predetermination. Yeah, it's a fine line. It's yeah. a fine line. Right. Yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, what is, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Bill Cosby. I know. I mean, to me, that is, you know, to rape, uh, to, you know, serial, he's a serial rapist. Right. So if there were a serial killer, I would say is insane. I know. So it, does what, that go for serial rape? Which I, I think is, in a way, I mean... Well, you're right. It is a, it, Not to compare crimes, but to me, rape is worse than murder. I think we can say that rape uh, is violent. Is violent. I think that's really... They're both bad. I don't, uh, rape no, isn't no, no, worse. No, every, you know, everybody agrees they're both bad. Because uh, <laughs> rape, it's like, well, they're still here. Yeah. They weren't removed from the earth. Right. Uh... However, it's their damage for life, you know. Potentially, potentially, I, a lot of again, them. I don't mean to be like. There's probably. But some... I know a lot of. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, people who have gone, you know, gone through being molested and and sexually assaulted, and who are amazing people. And, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's. Uh, we should. Murder is worse. Yeah, I, lo- I, 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 I <laughs> love how bad. much you keep apples, going back apples and, and oranges. <laughs> apples keep, and oranges. You keep going like, I think this. And then we talk about it. You're like, nah. And that's kind of our point, isn't it? It's the perfect illustration of our underwater sea cap. It doesn't. Yeah. The classification is uh, is an illusion. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I agree with that. It's just how Tell people me, feel, feel. Where I was about feel. to ask you about your your spirals because I wanted to feel solidarity oh, yeah. with that. Unless yeah. you had something that I didn't want to cut you off. No, no, no. So spirals, yeah. you were agreeing my fantasy of you being very mad at me. Uh, oftentimes I would catch myself, let's say, like working with Conan on the talk show. Conan is a sweetheart. I, every time I hung out with him, in my mind I had like a fantasy of him being like, what the fuck are you talking? You know, like some sort right. of like anytime I'm in the presence of somebody who I care yeah. about their opinion, I catch myself being reined in. By fantasies of like, and then sometimes it's like they punch me in the face. Uh huh. They storm out. Yeah. Like really, really mad, furious. Yeah. Sort of stuff. So that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I think, think though, if you didn't have that being around Conan O'Brien, somebody like that, you, you might be like, be what? In, you would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> you would be a real egotistical. Like, I mean, you would be. That's insane. To not hang out with a hero and be intimidated. And then I hear him want to please that but hero. It's weird that your brain, desperate and playing with scared money, goes like, we need to make sure Pete doesn't fuck this up. Give him a fantasy that Conan's going to punch him in the face if he doesn't, like, watch what he says. And it works. But this is how our brain can overreact. It can misguide. Like, in the case of your father, your brain is going, punch, punch somebody because, right. because it wanted him to... It wants a three, so it asks for a seven. Well, we have a rich inner life that has no bounds, that doesn't need to be bound by uh, by rules, by any rules that we're told to follow. 
it doesn't give a shit about that. It's a wild yeah. beast or subconscious. Yeah. And when it uh <laughs> when it does us the favor or the the bad by <laughs> revealing itself yeah. in like moments in our life, especially like you know, causing you know, really getting in the way of us getting throughout our day sometime or you know revealing itself to be when you're in the middle of a romantic situation or a professional situation uh it's uh you know it's it's very hard to deal with mm-hmm. because we don't it's it, the, things aren't set up for us to deal with that you mean in culture and society. In culture, yeah. Yeah, the the lie. Now we're getting Terrence McKenna in the mix with the lie of culture. Um, yeah. That we well, sit these a, rules. Like we that... sit across from each other on a date because the dates of just going right. up and being like, hey, I want to grab your butt. Or not even saying that. I guess it, back in the day it was, it was all what it was we – It was rape. It was all rape. It was all <laughs> it was kind rape. of like, – I, I think somebody had a bit about we're here because of like – horrible things yeah like yeah life is not yeah you ever watch like two cats fuck i haven't but i've heard that (laughs) i really haven't well every cute kid i would admit it is like they sound terrible and it's very violent yeah it's a cat sex (laughs) it's great (laughs) well there are no kitty restaurants (laughs) there's no tiny chocolates yeah. You know what I mean? Like a little heart-shaped chocolate. If you're not laughing, you're not picturing a cat with a bow tie and he's holding little kitty chocolates. No. That the cat's doesn't got exist. like a penis with like a spiky ball on the end or something that catches oh, yeah. the female and like the female can't get loose. Well, also drags the competitor's semen out. As does your dick. That's why you have a head on your dick. Thank you, Shane Moss, for teaching us about – listen to his first episode if you want to hear everything about dicks. You have a bell end of your dick. And that's to drag the competitor's semen out. Not my own semen. I mean, the modern interpretation would be like, (laughs) this is like birth control. Yeah. Hey, baby, I don't got to use condoms or pull out anymore because I got this. I got a... I found out what the mushroom was for. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. Terrible. (laughs) Somebody out there is doing it without a bag because of that bit. I know. Right now. I know. They were having sex listening to this podcast, and they're like, it's forget crazy. it. So anyway, cat sex. Yeah, we're... <laughs> anyway, you're, no, but you're I spiral spiraling. all the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't... I'm not built uh, to wake up and have a, a breezy day. What does know? that mean? You wake up with panic? Sometimes. Yeah? Yeah. A oh. lot of times. And what know. does that look like for you? Sleep, um, sleeplessness? You know, I can go to sleep when I decide to go to sleep. Oh, that's nice. But a lot of times I don't decide. I try to stay up. Night owl, I guess, but not an insomniac. You stay up because you'd like to. Because I'm like, oh, I want to... Keep living. Keep watching. I need to catch up with Genix on Mad Men. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're growing closer to your episode. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's this, like... uh, You know, I think I do want to get on sort of an... I'm constantly fighting uh, getting on some sort of automatic state, you know, just zoning out. There's a comfort to watching television as there is, you know. Well, it's hypnotic. uh, Most people uh, at this point. Yeah, it's hypnotic and you lose yourself and, you know, things. there's no real work that comes into that. You're projecting yourself onto someone else's drama instead of your own. Right. Which is very pleasant. Yeah. And you're invested. Mm Mm-hmm. 
which feels like living. Exactly. But you're not, uh, you know, it doesn't really affect you. Yeah. So it's pleasant. No, but I wake up, you know, am I dying? Uh, what's that pain? Oh, God, is that cancer? Um, why am I not more successful when this, you know, no talent piece of shit seems to never have heard the say the the, the word no in their life? <laughs> say some names. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me with some names, Gelman. Just kidding. I love Jerry no, Seinfeld. Course. Definitely not a person. Uh, don't want people to think that I'm anti-Seinfeld. <laughs> Big influence on me. You're, he's an anti. Uh, he's an anti anti <laughs> Don't be an anti signmite uh, No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mention the people who I feel that towards. But of you know, course, there I'm are a lot of those you. people that I think that about. We call that comedy cancer. It's cause right, it, and it's not just you know. I'm, I also you know uh, think of myself. I'm also an actor, so I do that towards actors. Yeah, and I'm also a maker of things, so I do that. Towards I also do that towards your writers, directors, and producers. Mm. So you have a uh, lot of you have a lot of people, and I, you know, look, there's one play where I go, well, that's petty of you, but then there's also that's not what we're talking about. I'm, we're of course everybody does that. All the time. Yeah, and it is petty. <laughs> and it is... Yeah, uh, that's fine. It is useless, yeah. uh, except if we choose to take that and, and make it into... You know, express it in such a way that right. a lot of other people can uh, listen to it or see it and right. feel not so alone in also having that thought that's or feeling. Re- that's my reminder every morning. You know how you can set up reminders on your phone? says take pain and make something good it's the first thing i see every morning yeah and i'm a you know i'm a hypochondriac easily think that any little pain in my body or thing going on is is uh is fatal yeah uh even though you've never had anything i've had you know certain things but nothing that that. is fatal yeah nothing that like this is and you didn't lose anybody to that this is just kind of like a general well i guess my father uh getting sick so young Mm -hmm. i mean he was only 70 uh when he got or you know or really 68 Mm -hmm. you know is really scary and uh i don't know i mean i've i know tons of people uh who have died. Yeah. And you don't need to have. And I know people who know people who have died. <laughs> right. You know, and that still feels very close. And, and though knowing the people who know people who have died, uh, that feels closer the older I get. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were young, it was just, when I was young, it was so much easier to be like, well, that's somebody else. Mm-hmm. And as I get older, not only with that, but. You know, with the whole, with everything bad that happens, you know, it's like, wow, this is really, this is really insane, Mm -hmm. you know, that this happens and this could happen uh, to me. And, you know, uh, but that goes for everything, you know, just any, any discrimination too, you know, I mean, like when we see what's going on with, you know, with, uh, racism in this country you know mm-hmm. and then my own part in that and things like that right is is also troubling hitting home a lot lately yeah. and you know and yeah i spiral out on on things too that i that i should spiral out on when bad things uh when i when i am taken advantage of or when uh my wife is taken advantage of my wife is black girlfriend for those of you who need 
marriage to be a legal thing. Uh, I call my girlfriend my wife, too. Yeah. Especially when the, like, the plumber's over. Right. And he's like, hey, that's the man's wife! I mean, yeah. I mean, I do feel... Uh, she is my wife. You know, we're very connected. I'm more connected right. with her than most people are to their spouses. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, she's black, so I, you know, I... I I always cared about civil rights and things like that, but it's even more heightened when you see, you know, even the little ways in which it happens to and a, and a black, black people and a black woman, yeah. especially who has, uh, you know, really nobody on on her side. You know, the black black uh, civil you, rights a lot of the time is is initiated by black men, and then uh, the feminist movement is white women. So it's. Mm. Right, yeah, they're not given a voice. It's actually the, the least dated groups, at least back in like 2005. When yeah, we this were black women and Asian men. Yeah, because Asian women are for some reason this. I mean, people love Asian women. I, I don't mean to say for some reason. Right, <laughs> they're lovely, but so so are black women. I, I you understand, but there are the Asian ones are a commodity for Jew, right. Jews. I think. <laughs> I guess I was know. just trying to be funny. A lot of Jewish guys. <laughs> oh no, like, no, let's like be funny. I'm not. No, I yeah. <laughs> and that's not to say funny. that. And that's not to say that you know black men and and white women are not incredibly abused. Yeah, of uh, in our culture or in the world. Sure, uh, but you know it's. I don't know. It's all fucked up. So, yeah, it's... uh, When you have a partner, though, right? This is going to be my stupid way of relating. Is that I've just noticed that uh, people don't uh, talk to my girlfriend. (laughs) So, like, you go up to a situation and people will talk to the men. The men will talk sort of thing. This is kind of like a a lingering on from, like, the 50s and 60s, it seems like. Yeah. Where you have to be like, and this is Valerie. You know what I mean? And I even catch myself doing it all the time. I interrupt her. Like, it's not a problem. But I notice that I do it more than I would like. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, a man has a thought. You know, that sort of embodiment of a penis. Right, right, <laughs> you know right. I mean? Just like, Wah! With my in- interrupting, I mean, I interrupt everybody. And I think that's just narcissism on my part. Yeah, me too. Uh, but, um, yeah, because I definitely don't run shit in my home is that right yeah and then and she is you know and you know a really accomplished uh, what, what artist in her own right oh i see uh-huh. you know mm-hmm. she's a filmmaker yep and she's gaining a lot of heat right now and uh people are really starting to take notice of her work and you know i think yeah i couldn't be with somebody who i didn't think was was a genius at, at what they do i couldn't that's I don't think great. I could do that. I couldn't yeah. be, but it was like, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck now? Fuck now? Great job, sweetie. Fuck now? I can't be that guy. I'm, I, I'd want to kill myself. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I, can't that... do, I can't do that. I don't know how people do. Like, these people Ooh. are like, yeah, she's an actor uh, or a writer. Uh, uh, or he's an actor, right? Or not to? I mean, there's plenty of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. brilliant women I know who've got fucking well, that was male eye candy on their on their arms too. No, I. Uh, it's just, uh, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't I do that. That's part of it for me. Well, that part you know? of my divorce was, I think, my wife being like, I don't, I don't really get off being with this guy. Like, <laughs> right? What he's about isn't really what I'm about. Uh-huh. I always make the joke that she wanted to run in the woods. <laughs> 
Oh. She, loved, oh, yeah. she loved running in the woods. Right, right. And I was the guy that was like, I got on Whiplash. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, my running, and I think her thing is stupid. Like, I'm like, I, I've said this before, but I'm like, what a deer, a stream? I don't understand. Yeah. Now I actually like nature a lot more than I did when I was when I was married. But anyway, she thought my thing was also pretty stupid. Um, well, you probably didn't like it as much when you were married to her because you associated it with her. Yeah, that's you that's true too. Of, and you well, felt emasculated by her, thus nature <laughs> was going to further emasculate. Isn't it funny? And what is more emasculating than nature? You fucking try camping. You got to rock up your ass and <laughs> ticks bite your balls. Invasive. You know what it's I mean? It's very, very invasive. invasive. You're very weakened by it. It's funny. I still have shows and stuff that I won't like because there are people that I don't like that love them. So I'm like, well, that show's not for me because I can't stop thinking about how much yeah. they love it. But just yeah. projecting, like I don't, I don't know if you're right. I would admit it if I thought you were right. Oh yeah. But yeah. Uh, but okay. So. Um, where but that we? is a thing, though, what of, is? like, going to these parties, Yeah, and I'm with her, and people think she's my wife. Yes. You know? And so they'll address me. And it's like... Oh, I see. Instead she's of... She's the wife. She's the wife. And, you know, and you, and you want to just grab them and shake them and right. go, you stupid fucking well piece because of you, shit. you love and like them. then this is one of my downward spirals i go to that party and the next morning i wake up and i'm like i wish i like grabbed that guy by the neck and brought him up on top of a table in the middle of the party and said you see people this is who you all are this is who you all are. This man who will only address me because he only sees me as somebody who can do anything for him, at least doing for him in the sense of making him feel like he's more of something because I potentially might be something. So that means that, that he must be <laughs> only addressing me and seeing my woman Woo! as nothing Woo! as the pocket pussy I have next to me. So, Uh, (laughs) you know and so like i'll have a whole fantasy about you know really standing up to people and the problem is is sometimes uh i won't do that but i will say certain things and that's not a problem so actually that's not a problem uh but but you'll be it is a political business you mean you might be rubbing people the wrong way when you go like... I think sometimes, yeah. And this is my wife, whom you've been ignoring, Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to him. And nor would he... she want me to. She knows business. She's a business person. I I, uh, I deeply respect what my uh, girlfriend does as well, and she's she's wonderful at everything. She what does she do? Well, she she does uh, work with a... Oh, I can plug it. A company called... A company. Uh, organization called Real Girl... Which teaches young women self-esteem. You should check it out if you know women I love it. between the ages of nine and twelve. Great! So it's like they go around to different schools, and I love everything they do. It's a lot of like body empowerment, and like there's a little self-defense and learning about uh, the history of women. And yeah, it's very feminist and gorgeous. Feminist sounds like it's political. It's it's more like a celebration sort of thing, right? So right. I'm always happy to plug it. Thank you for asking. That's so she good. Has a, pro- uh, a project called Real Girl. Check it out. If you're in the Los Angeles area. Real girl. But she's also, you know, she's just a person that I deeply admire apart from what she does for work. And that's my interpretation of what you're saying. Yeah. You you respect. You respect. Well, yeah. And it's actually, you know, and it's hurtful to 
there's this extra pain with it because you know my 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 girlfriend is also in this business mm-hmm. you know what i mean and does i think ah now we're getting somewhere i think does better work than most of the people at these parties so right do, do you find yourself getting angry for her oh always yeah it sounds i like- get angrier for her than i do for me yeah no if you fuck with me I'll 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 probably let it go. If you fuck with her, it's way harder for me to yeah. do that. You know, it's interesting when you're in the same business. I think that can it can be one of the greatest things in the world because you understand each other so deeply in that way. But then you do catch yourself being like, if you get a thing, there has to be, or maybe there isn't. I'm asking a part of you. Let's say you get a thing. And there's a part of you that's happy that you get a thing. But then there's also a part of you that's like, and fuck, where's your thing? Not that that's a problem with her because she's doing stuff, but. Um, I mean, I want her, you know, it's a, a separate thing, you know, but she is getting things now. So, yeah. uh, that's not so painful, but then, you know, it's like, you've been together a long as time we ago. know. Yeah. It's not smooth sailing. So, you know, no matter how successful you get or, you know, how on the rise you are, there's still going to be a lot of things that fall through a lot of people who right. don't act right. At right. least I don't know for you, but that's been my experience. Sure. You know, it's a dirty business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sometimes. But the the other th- yeah, um, but but she's business. never been one to be jealous. Yeah, uh, I'm not jealous of her successes. You know, I mean, uh, either. You yeah, know? and there 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 are things that she's achieved in ways in which she's seen by by. Uh, by certain people who I want to be seen that way by too, that don't mm-hmm. necessarily see me that way and see her that way. But she's never been, but I'm not jealous of it because I just, I'm just happy mm. for her. I'm sure in some dark recesses of my mind, I must be. And in some dark recesses of her mind, she is, but it doesn't affect our right. relationship in that way. Very- We're both like very pulling for one another and believe in one another. And we also are collaborators too. Is that right? We collaborate too. So you mean you do uh, it? <laughs> you mean you do it? No, not until we're <laughs> legally married. Not until we're legally married, Pete. But and and I will say too is like she doesn't want me ever standing up to somebody on yeah. her behalf. Right. She's incredibly embarrassed by that. So I can't. It, she would actually, if I said you don't talk to her that way, right. Uh, she would get really angry with me. Well, she sounds like a graduate of the Real Girl program. <laughs> that's that's a big thing. Yeah, she doesn't want to be seen as the wife or anything like that. Right. And so and and part of you know and that goes into don't fucking defend me. I don't right. need you. Right. To defend me. I don't need your shit. Yeah, this is my business. <laughs> I remember when you were on the most awkward live podcast we've ever had. We talked about. Yeah. I remember though, <laughs> man. The oh, hits man. just kept People coming. There were like debates about that. What the, oh, it was debates, like debate was... who was right and who was wrong. Like, uh, did you hear this? Apparently, people were talking about it a lot on sets. And people whatnot. still ask me about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was a real. It was a real shit show. It was a real shit show, and the crazy thing was that it kept going after Glazer and I kind of put it put it aside right then you came out and it got bad again right that that 
That is a fiasco. Not between me and you, though, but between, between me and, and Eric. Eric, who is now a very, very good friend of mine. Yeah, and he's awesome. He's yeah. great. Everybody involved. Great. great. You know what I mean? Great people. Like, no problem. It was right. just... Poor Jackie Cation. Ah! <laughs> Had to sit there. Had to sit there. Woo! Talk it was, a, talk it was about, a fiasco. Talk about female oppression. Oppression <laughs> on women. <laughs> she got... Look. Poor dudes. If dudes were ignoring her... That's a situation where you're like, thank God I'm being oppressed right now because I don't even have an opinion. I don't want any part of this. My only opinion right now is that you're all uh, children. I know. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah, yeah. I think about that That's all. fine. That was good. It was made for good yeah. podcasting. Yeah. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if uh, John still harbors anything towards me, but I uh, certainly, for those of you that didn't listen to it, because I actually warned people at the beginning. Uh-huh. Of the intro, I was like, right. "You might want to not listen to this. Like, if you're not okay with discomfort, right?" But the thing I always say, this is so petty of me to still hold on to my defense, is that I had written down on the set list, which I still had, was dueling babies. Remember the the problem right, was so that you do a bit. I thought he would. You know, this sounds like I'm not trying to say he should have. But I thought he would yes and it and be like, oh, yeah, bring that up. I would have smoked it. Like, it's preposterous. You know what I mean? Looking back, my thought was preposterous. <laughs> but I thought he was going to be like, let me show you how to do it. Everyone would laugh. Right. But no. And not, you know, yeah. Not And not knowing that you see him as this kind of elder statesman yeah, hero yeah. you know sure with sure. a lot of a lot of respect i've been seeing him for so long in new york well, he was you know he's one of those guys him who, and Todd when we were and, in new york yeah. he was those guys who like when he went on stage everyone that's right. nobody was hanging out in the bar that's and right. missing that set that's right so here I'm, i learned a bunch of things don't assume respect <laughs> you can show respect and then don't bring up money in any way, which I, which I, which I didn't. Two very important uh, lessons. I didn't mean to bring up money. I know. Obviously. No, I know. But I know you know, and I hope he knows. I don't know. I don't know if, you know, we don't. I mean, he's, he's a good friend. We don't talk about it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but then you came out. This is why I brought it up. Right. Not to necessarily right. dissect it. Right, then I came it. out. Yeah. You came out, but you said something very interesting. You were talking about that, that Eric interrupted. About arranging your desk from left to right because oh, yeah. a certain other way. What was that? Yeah, that was – well, I had like major OCD. And and that's part of the spiraling problem I think is having some sort of uh, chemical imbalance myself in that regard. And but, OCD uh, being kind of like a controlling thing, like an anxiety-reducing technique. Like if I do this ritual or – and you know, and I still have it too. Yeah. Like if I ask somebody uh, – if I ask somebody, you, do you think I am sick? And they no, Brett. And, and they say <laughs> no. Uh, it'll only satisfy it for a second, and I have to keep looking for the satisfaction to, uh, to, to erase this neurosis. That will never happen mm. because the only way to get off that track is to just stop thinking about it. Or to break it down on uh, on what is the real reason why I'm right thinking about this, which can only really be done in intensive therapy. Right, right, right. Well, I wonder, I, uh, I, or through psychotropic medication, <laughs> but uh, which I'm not on. I hate to be uh, an armchair therapist. What am I kidding? I, I yeah. love to. 
if you say, am I sick, then that's the thing. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you want a little bowl to pour all this dread in. And if you did have something, you could go, that's the thing. That I was just watching an episode of Girls where she talks about um, – it's the third episode of the first season. Uh-huh. And she I, – I really love Girls. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I, great. I, I like rewatch it. No, I – And we were rewatching the third episode of the first season and she goes to get a pap smear or something. And she talks about – it's very ballsy I think but also very authentic – she talks about wanting AIDS because then she'd get all this, like, attention. Right. But also because it would give her life this focus. She wanted Adam to to call her and text her, and she's kind of like, if I had AIDS, then he would feel bad for giving her AIDS and all this right. sort of stuff. And I really think she was articulating one of the deeper, darker, more grotesque, certainly grotesque impulses that we all have, which is, a, a, for lack of a better term, the sick fantasy. The, well, yeah. The sick fantasy. Yeah, that is why there is McDonald's. To make ourselves sick? Well, otherwise, yeah. I mean, otherwise we'd be like, get that, close that down. That's bad for us. <laughs> Could we have, uh, I'll just have uh, these greens. <laughs> we'd love greens. <laughs> that's funny because that's what uh, Benjamin Franklin called suicides. Well, there's a, go, yeah. There are suicides and there are non-suicides. Yeah. And meaning types of people. And there's some people, and we see these all the time. We're all suicides to a certain extent. Right. Smoking, drinking, whatever it is. Maybe you're completely internally healthy, but you jump your bike over ravines because we're all just kind of like. Yeah, it's a, a, a sort of a, an obsessive, compulsive thing in itself. It, yeah. it, relieves, uh, it relieves the fear of death only to increase it. <laughs> That's it right. Re- re- relieves it momentarily only to increase it in, in the grand picture. Well, the only way to get rid of it is to kind of like dive into it almost. It's like if you were sick, you could stop worrying about being sick. It's like getting a uh, like a chlamydia diagnosis after you already have stage 4 cancer. You're right. kind of like, dude, I'm already on the other side. Right. I look at like going to the hospital like we go in with our, our freedom pass and then they either stamp it or they don't. Yeah. And you're like, can I go back to never thinking about this place? <laughs> and they're like, sorry, today's the day you stay. And you're like, fuck. And that's that's why actual sick people are probably like you fucking idiots. You don't want this at all, right? You know what I mean, right? And not, and I definitely don't want it. I definitely want to live a long, healthy life, but I do engage in a lot of destructive behavior. One of which is worrying about dying. Yeah, which is worrying is uh, clinically proven to not be good for you <laughs> physically. Uh so. Um, <laughs> that was very funny. The way you well, said no, it. I mean my uh, the way you said it was just. I, I have a, <laughs> I get acupuncture, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, I do too. Yeah, and my acupuncturist said really the main thing you need to because I make her be my clinical physician a lot of the time. Like you think I got cancer? You think I got diabetes? You think I got? She's like. No, she's like, I wouldn't worry about that stuff. But really, if you're going to worry about anything, just worry about worrying because that's what's really going to kill you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, great. Now I, <laughs> I've i worried too much. I've accumulated too much worry in my life. <laughs> oh, fuck. I mean, I've passed the point of worrying. I was smoking <laughs> smoking six packs of worry a day. <laughs> so <laughs> You're smoking six packs of worry a day. Oh, Fuck, I chain smoke worry. Oh my God. Oh, you use one anxiety to light the oh, next man, I'm anxiety. Walking Phoenix on that fucking yeah, he worry smoking. He smoking. A lot. Have yeah, you worked right? with him? 
No, unfortunately not. How do you know that? Because I, I worked with him briefly. and he, Oh, you did? During uh, – I hope he, he can't care. I heard him – I heard Paul Thomas Anderson uh, in his interview with Mark say that he smoked a lot, but next to Joaquin, it was like nothing. Well, Joaquin, Joaquin the second smoking. it was a cut, yeah. was smoking. Like right. kind of like a, all right, we need 30 seconds to change his lens. Smoke. Yeah. Okay, we're rolling. Would kind of put it out, right. you know, like rub it out, but yeah. then sp- continue smoking it. Was he nice? He was the best. Yeah. I, I The only reason I am <laughs> worried about saying that is he clearly, it's out. He smokes. Yeah, he smokes. He's a smoker. One of his, like, friends said it, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is a smoking uh, man. No, I haven't. I mean, I think he's uh, really incredible. I'm a yeah. big fan. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I love PTA, too. Yeah, yeah, that guy's great too. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now we're just listing guys. I love, I love Lena. Lena's great. Yeah, we're just listing people uh, we like. Very good at what she does. Yeah, too. You were okay, um, you were also talking about the desk left to right, but also your. Oh yeah, so I don't know. There was a, some something I heard. I was very afraid when I was little that I was gay. Hmm. Um, and so yeah, there was a thing about if you had an earring. A lot of kids I when I was growing this. up had earrings. Yeah. Um, We're the s- Jews I was growing up with, you know, I'm a Jew. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess it was maybe some like weird veiled way of like being hip hop, but then the Jews not too hip hop. We're very know? close. You know, the Beastie Boys helped. You exactly. Know what I mean? they a were, lot of Jews wish wish that we were black, and they were they felt culturally except it was like it's all right. They're they're cool. They're cool Jews, right? You know what I right. mean. I'm speaking as an outsider. Maybe that was just my own mind. But no, we were like, we're seen as white people of by course. black people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I, that's how Jews want to see themselves. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that, but I felt like on the spectrum, I felt one click further from being able to pull off sag- <laughs> sagging my pants. Right, right. Which I did. By which the way. I really did. <laughs> yeah. When I started doing uh, Cracked Out, which was the rap act yeah. that me and John Daly did. That was purely B- living out e. some sort of fantasy and wishing that I was cooler than I was. Yeah. When really I was doing borderline uh, minstrelsy. <laughs> minstrelsy. <laughs> Ain't no black people uh, tweeting about our Cracked Out reunion. <laughs> Only whites, buddy. Only white people. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody who's black is asking to see cracked out again. What about your wife? Uh, you know, she actually does like it, which I'm surprised by. <laughs> it's good. Want to fuck? Fuck now? Uh, <laughs> I must be really good in bed. If she's lying to me about cracked out like that. Uh, no, cracked out was a part of, we got uh, tricked by this documentary filmmaker uh, on PBS who was making a thing on white hip hop. And uh, and then he filmed us performing, and you know we had the fucking rock aware tracksuits, we had the do rags and the Yankee fitteds, and uh, and they showed it to Paul Mooney, and Paul Mooney, uh, he's like, "What do you think of this?" And Paul Mooney called it minstrelsy. Really? Yeah. Uh, Was that difficult to hear? It was difficult at the time, and it's difficult to admit, but. It, it 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 even though we didn't intend it to be yeah uh i think it was to some degree because we were and this is an issue that i take up with a lot of people including myself is that you know we were doing these outlandish characters and that it would you know uh we wanted to be off- offensive 
in order to not look like we were doing some sort of minstrel character. That it was really about like, you know, we thought you know, there are white people like this that are co-opting black culture that are that are uh, morally, uh, you know, unclear. Yeah towards women and and things like that and and it was also a way of getting out a lot of anger for us because john and i are both uh really angry guys (laughs) uh but but when i look back and i think about it now i do think that you know there were some instances where we performed in front of a lot of of black black people and uh predominantly black audiences in a couple and they saw it as racist really? and uh how I, did you know? I can't argue with that how I can't, did you know oh they would they would tell us during the show oh yeah really oh yeah people would yell this yeah. is racist and we were living on a fantasy but that's not who we really were and then we were presenting this thing that oh because you come out you're you're not saying hi i'm brett gelman and now cracked out we'll be right back <laughs> no you're just We're like out. yo i'm mc record deal and i'm rapzilla and we just fucked each other sucked each other's dicks in the green room y'all which was actually one of the most progressive parts of the act yeah saying that i remember you doing a rap where you just said everybody's a little bit gay like, <laughs> that was all right remember and that? that's good i mean yeah. i think we were saying certain things that i definitely stand behind at, at times yeah you know when we weren't but then where does uh, the minstrel making fun thing? of my, i think it's it's adopting uh that voice and you know the quote unquote black voice right which is a completely racist term but i do think it's 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 borderline that that it is minstrelsy especially just because that's what uh, i can't really argue with a black person if the, if that's what they think yeah, because they have to deal with that. Literally, not let, me. So the voice, the the like, I guess we could just say two guys. What about the the Chet Hazes of the world that are like hip hop isn't about race. Eminem speaks with a with a the black scent. Uh, right, but that's who Eminem is. Right, that's how Eminem. But what if you guys were those guys? Would then it no longer be offensive? I'm right. just, I'm just I don't think to it would it. be. Really? I don't think it would be. No. I mean, because Eminem, you know, Eminem was around a lot of black people. Right. You know, building his craft. And so, like, and, and becoming who he is. He grew up with a lot of black people. I grew up very segregated, you know. I mean, we were all... We are all victims of of the system in which we're raised in here. You know, right. uh, white people are are moral victims, not but, not physical victims, and you know, emotional victims. But we're we're moral victims because, and that is the the big thing that I think that that people and I I've been saying this a lot, but that I think a lot of white people need to uh, admit is that we are all racist. We were all brought up in a racist system, mm-hmm. and and. And we all continue to exist in that system, you know, uh, and we have to admit that before we can get past it. That's kind of like what I was saying before, which was the the, the listening. The exactly. Zen, the Zen listening. Being exactly. Like, you guys are racist. The system is racist. And we have to be like, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Y- yes, we are. Yes, we can be. And not being like, well, I, I, I liked a different world. You know right. what I mean? And and it was funny too because when we would perform it, 
The theme um, song from a different world. Uh, the theme song from when we were perform. The theme song from a different world is cracked out. <laughs> um, no, we sometimes wouldn't put on the the getup. Yeah, you know, and we would just do it in our regular clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would be a lot of the audience was would respond better. What do you? Uh, because I think that like even some white people, even though they didn't know it, were offended by. You coming out in a do-rag. Coming out in, like, do-rags and stuff like that. But I was also... I was... To me at the time, though, it didn't... Because I would wear that in my life. Like, I think a lot of people thought I was going crazy at times. Because I would justify... If I had a show, I'd be like, well, I'll just wear this all day. Because I don't want to change, right? Yeah. And I'll get into character. And I really got off being that way. Yeah. And that is... The, that's the whole example of co-opting black cultures. <laughs> Well, okay, so we but, wish that we were. But okay, if culture is an illusion, we're all co-opting culture. I'm speaking this way because right. I'm buying into the illusion of being a white guy from Lexington, Massachusetts. So, right, right. You're but right. I'm interested, and I think I think you're going to agree and even see where I'm going with this. But it's like if Eminem didn't grow up with a lot of black friends, you know, like he he rapped, he you don't say sings, he rapped about that, like people grilling him where he went to high school and like what neighborhood he grew up in and all that sort of stuff. Because people are like, are you allowed to do this? I guess we're saying, or let's put it on the table, you're not allowed to slip into hip-hop just because you feel at home there. You could do that with jazz, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, you know, like I don't, you, you I don't know. A, a I think, though, but like the Beastie Boys, I don't know. Or the Rolling Stones. How many black people did they grow up with? But I wouldn't think – I don't think personally – that the Rolling Stone, you know, that's how Mick Jagger sang is not how he speaks. Right. He wasn't, he's, he wasn't singing really with a predominantly British accent. You right, know? right, right, right. He was doing the, he was doing a, you black, know, what, you know, uh, yeah, we've agreed the, that that's annoying. Black yeah. voice, urban not voice. Not a black voice, but a, you know, the, a voice that was, uh, similar to a lot of his blues heroes. Right. You like know, that's what I said. Like black, black, what, saying black voice is racist, but uh, and I said it, so I'm not. I'm not saying that. Uh, oh, I didn't feel I, attacked. I, oh, I I'm, I'm, tr- yeah, I'm no, trying to I, learn uh, what, you, what you're. Yeah, no, are. it's uh, and that's the whole thing that white people have to do is we have to allow ourselves to learn, and we have to allow ourselves if we do behave in a racist way to admit that it was and change the behavior. Sure. Instead and, of instead, instead of, of denying it, I and being like, I'm not racist. Yeah. I'm for all people. I have three black friends on Facebook. You know, my wife is black. You know, I, I, it's, it's, that's not cool. Right. I think that, I think that we have to admit when we're flawed and, and, you know, when we, when we say something that is racist or misogynist or homophobic, and if it's not for a point and it is just something that is ingrained in us that we said, we have to admit that we were wrong and move on. But okay. So learn from our mistakes. Gangster rap. Yeah. Straight out of Compton, want to say it? Uh-huh. Uh, speaks to suburban youth, suburban white youth in their mother's SUVs. Yeah. And I, I'm straight up referencing uh, my friend Rob's book, Drops Like Stars. He talks about why is the suburban youth blaring gangster out when, like, 13 miles away, there really is, like, the, the ghetto right. area. I'm not using that as an adjective. I mean the ghetto. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Um, where he would never go, you know what I mean? Right. But it speaks to him. 
this is that tricky place. We hate this stuff. When Chet Chet Hayes, you know who that is? Tom Hanks' rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is like, I'm allowed to say the N-word. Like, well, that's, suck yeah. my, suck no. my dick. It's part of the world. It's part of the, it's part of the community. It's a word that, by the way, obviously I'm not for it, – it's, it's, it's interesting to talk about. I'm not for him saying the N-word. Right. Obviously. But – when we go like Eminem's okay because he had black friends and Eminem in another world growing up with only white friends or like I'm just interested. Eminem that- wouldn't – doesn't say the N-word. No, I know. Though. And he doesn't really have necessarily – he on his first album, he really – there's some tracks where he's really doing like what I would consider a traditional hip-hop cadence. Like well, not- yeah, because <clears> – <throat> I mean, I don't want to hear a rapper who doesn't have that cadence. Right. To be honest. Yeah. I find it boring. Slip into my and, car and open yeah, up a jar. I, I hate that. No. <laughs> Ooh, yuck. Right. No, I don't want to hear my hip hop cannot have that it have some other cadence other than that. But I think that that's how he really talks. Right. And, I, I hear that. But okay, so let's say I love, again, I love Miles Davis, but I'm a white right. guy from Lexington. Right. So I play my trumpet exactly like Miles Davis. Like yeah. I learn. That ache that came from that people and that yeah. place and that culture. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that I'm a white guy playing the blues on my guitar. But if I start saying like, you know, if I start speaking in that way, then I'm co-opting a culture. Mm. I'm just trying to find yeah. where the line is. You know? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's awareness. I guess it's awareness, you know, and I guess it's influence. And no, I know a lot of... Uh, I know a lot of white guys who speak in that cadence who, you know, uh, but they do have a lot of of uh, friends who speak in that cadence. Right. And so uh, that to me is not, you know, is not bad. Right. You know, I don't know. I think it's a case-by-case basis. I don't think there's something that you can I put agree. a rule to it. Yeah, we know? don't need to find I the I think line. in the case of what I was doing, I consider it bad. <laughs> and that's really what we should be doing. Yeah. This goes, we, we've seen eye to eye on this every time. It's like, yeah. we don't know what's going through Cosby's mind. We'd like to know. We don't know what was going on with Hitler. Yeah. We don't know what's going on with other rapists. We, and we don't necessarily know what's going on with somebody. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I think what Chet Hayes is doing with it is bad. <laughs> I don't think what Eminem did, it, you know, is bad. I don't think what the Beastie Boys did is bad. I don't think right. Mick Jagger is bad. I think, I guess it's just like, is this like an essential part of who you are that really you are genuinely tapping into? Right. Which with me, I think it was to some degree, you know, there are a lot of, uh, Artists who are black who are are very are the most influential on me. That's, but and that speaks. So you say you're an angry guy, and a lot of this music helps us kind of uh, get out some some. Not all of it, obviously. Yeah. Some of it's just about like brass monkeys, <laughs> right? Right. But, you know, right. like some of it, I find I, I find myself listening to more aggressive hip hop when I'm feeling frustrated and un, and un, under underrepresented. And these are emotional things. These are human it, things. Exactly. I mean, I listen. That is the music that I predominantly listen to. Right. And it is why I'm still, you know, 38 years old and still listening to Straight Outta Compton and Enter the Wu Tang and yeah. these albums. Both of those uh, names partially, are directions. Uh, right. <laughs> You're going to want to go Straight Outta Compton, Enter the Wu Tang, then the big finale it's happens. It's all about like- direction, baby. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, black it- people got to be thinking about direction all the time. <laughs> 
Their lives are at stake in every moment of their lives. You mean like an uh, <laughs> Huh? That's yeah, terrible. You know, I mean, you know, stand up for yourself or get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Or you're going to, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, really to take into account the fact that, you know, like there's so many people that we know, like that, I mean, once they step out of their house, not even stepping out of their house, their lives, every black citizen, their lives are in danger mm-hmm. every moment of the day. It's fucked up. Yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, uh, what was I saying? Before, oh yeah, and the, that is, I, I really emotionally relate to uh, to hip hop, but in not its in the aggressive way. and uh, non aggressive forms, right? But all m- all hip hop, all uh, all hip hop is is essentially a political act because you're you're rising above what society what what white society wants you to be. Yeah, that's interesting. You know. Yeah, so it's, it's like a rebellion. Yeah. yeah. Like punk rock, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh yeah, um so even if the lyrics are not necessarily political, it is a political act. Right. Just as I heard John Waters say once that every all comedy is political because you are causing a shift in someone. Huh. A laugh is a shift. Hmm. And and you're breaking them out of their their normal regular state that's very interesting yeah yeah and and it's a little bit invasive it's completely invasive that's why bad comedy is so offensive to me (laughs) i'm just like i can't believe this this unwashed dick is what i'm getting fucked with oh god it's the worst it's the worst but i'm sure you know some people consider uh my comedy bad comedy so well i certainly hate it i know (laughs) i know and that's what we really need to address right now pete what's your fucking problem with my stuff no, I've seen a lot of your stuff lately, and it's is wonderful. it comedy? <laughs> <laughs> that's your new one. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's a whole thing that I spiral out on. Is what I do. It's comedy? like, what am I? What am I? What am I doing? You know, I do a lot of different things. Yeah, and and I haven't rose. I haven't risen to the the prominence that I want in any of them. <laughs> so I'm like. Yeah, but you are killing it. Are I am? you? Yes. Okay, good. I don't, I don't have a perspective on it. I was at a party the other night, and people treated me like I was fucking huge. It felt great, but it also felt weird because I was like, <laughs> am I doing well? I don't know. I'm in my living room all day. Yeah. You know, or I'm working. Yeah. So I'm not like... I it's, understand. It's pretty, you know, you relate. I mean, I don't have like, or do not. I you find, have a sense of I'm your own tell success you, because I see you as a very well, successful person. That's nice. It's interesting. It goes back to old Rami, Rami Das, Richard Alpert going like, we keep lo- going around to other people looking for them to tell us who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, which is something that we should all strive to get out of, no, especially in this town. But uh, I know. I wrote a big email to a friend of mine today. I won't say who. Really? Yeah, about I said, that. you know, you got to accept that you have these like these bad feelings about yourself, and I, I think I was just really writing it to me. Ah, you should CC yourself on that email. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what I think is the way that I most relate to what you're saying is I, it doesn't happen often, but I have had interviews where people go, cartoonist, writer, stand up, actor, improviser, whatever it is. Yeah, how do you have the time to do all this stuff? And when Eddie Pepitone stops talking, <laughs> I, I go, you don't understand. Like, I wrote all day yesterday. So, yeah, that's a day where I worked. Yeah. 
And then literally I was on the phone with my mom today and I was like, I'm not really doing much today. It's just kind of I worked <laughs> yeah. I worked yesterday and uh, I need to give myself a break. Right. And a break doesn't look like ripping bong hits and, and jerking it into a, into a fan. Right. It, <laughs> <laughs> too much in Like the cum hits the yeah, fan. Yeah, the cum hits and the fan. sprays everywhere. Everywhere. And, yeah. and that's everybody getting pregnant. That's why you call your apartment uh, the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> you call your apartment Motel 6. Yeah, Motel 69. Uh, but that is that is everybody being the star of their own movie. That's what you're experiencing. Is you're the star of the Brad Gelman movie. I'm the star of the Pete Holmes movie, and I go around living out this narrative. And to the outsider who dips into my world occasionally, for your example, in a party, or my example, in an interview, they share their experience where they go with mine. Boy, you do a lot. And then my feeling is, you should see how many naps there are. You know what I mean? Right. Like Lena Dunham, who, who we've spoken of. That must be why she's on my mind, and I'm watching Girls again. Yeah. Uh, I think her Twitter bio is something like, you know, where it has location. It's like in bed probably. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's these high-functioning people. You know, author, star, director, producer, right. writer. Right. Public personality. Yeah, there's 24 hours in a day. Oh, yeah. Whenever you see Paris Hilton getting out of, like, a white limousine to, like, light up a party, most of the day she was just, like, diarrhea. She trimmed her toenails. You know what I mean? Right, right. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, there's just so much time. People don't. That's just a light to know how long we're going. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, yeah. I mean, a lot of our work, good or bad, is like, oh, fuck, I got to do that. I got to do that right now. Holy shit. Yeah. Now is the time. Yeah. And, that's, and then that's, you have this moment of inspiration that was building up through all the procreation. Is that a part of the, yeah. oh, of the process? Well, this, we will, don't know. this will segue nicely into, I want to talk about Mad Men. Don Draper, so oh, really yeah. Matt Weiner, yeah. says, yeah. think about the idea really hard, then put it out of your mind, and then it will pop into your mind. You'll, the idea will come to you. I agree and with that. And that's exactly true. Yeah. This day of offness, as I'm calling it, yeah. is so essential I was dreaming about the script I was writing all night. Like, I was, you know, seeing it and playing it out. And now I just need to let it breathe a little bit. You open the wine, let it breathe a little bit. Yeah, no, I know. It's not I'm, write, it's I'm not writing sprite. two things right now that are not easy to write. Yeah. That, you, you know, know both for about. different reasons. Oh, yeah. I mean, and whenever I write, I mean, and when I write with a partner, there's so much procrastination that goes into it. And that's You're right. You're lucky if you get any writing done. Yeah. And then one day you come in, you like, what the fuck? We haven't got anything done. Let's do it. Oh, it's all making sense now. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. all's been percolating inside of our souls. I would say napping is writing. I would say sleeping is writing. I'd say yeah, it's all uh, life. swimming is writing. What we're doing right now is writing. I was in therapy. I spent the first third of the session just describing my script. <laughs> like I just wanted to talk it out yeah. to somebody. I was like, I didn't even have to say this. He knows me, DGP. He knows that's my therapist, and I was just yeah. like, "This, this is helpful to me, and that's what we're here to do. We're here to help me, and I want to kind of tell you this idea." It took ten minutes, and then yeah. moved on. Uh, right. You were in the finale of Mad Men. I saw you at that party where the lights were out, and everybody was jerking it. No, uh, where the, yeah, the, the power meltdown party, the meltdown yeah. party and where the party went, uh, where the power right, went out. where everybody hung out outside. That was nice. Yeah, it was fun. A little yeah. a little avatar moment, right? Uh, and I told you, which is true, because I just watched the finale. I said, "You, you, uh, in a certain extent, it's not a competition." But I was like, "You've done something now. You have a real crown jewel. You have a feather in your cap." As far <laughs> as I'm concerned, 
you were in the finale of Mad Men. Right. You dick. <laughs> oh, I want to shoot. funny. I want to shoot you with an arrow. Yeah, I know. It's pretty wild. And you were great in it. It wasn't Oh, like, thanks. There are friends that we both know that I'm like, why are they in this? This is really distracting me. There's like, right. you don't want me in the finale of Mad Men. <sighs> like, you want you. you that's a no, right. I'm an actor first. <laughs> I am, I am. I have to laugh. I mean, when even like says uh, that, no. <laughs> actor first. No, but I mean like my comedy that you know my stand up is very actor based. Yeah, my writing is oh, very acti- oh, actor based. I understand all that, and that's why you're so good in the part. It feels good, and you've got like a retro feel. Oh, I you don't do. look like Blade Runner. I'm not putting you in the Blade Runner reboot. Yeah, I know. Wait, what was it? What were we talking about? Turtlenecks or something? This one time, I was sitting around with Kroll and Adam Pally. Nick Kroll, a really good friend of mine. And then Adam was like, I can't make a a turtleneck work. Oh, Adam Pally. And he's like, no, no, nobody. Kroll was like, nobody can. I'm like, I could. Yeah, you could. And he's like, yeah, you could. And and Adam was like, why can can he and not me? He's like, yeah, but you could. Because he's got like a 70s. Yeah, you could be petting a long-haired white cat. On a circular orange rug. I'm from any time period that you want me to be. I could be in the Stone Age. I could be in the 1870s. I could be in the I'll 1970s. Give you, I actually I do think now. you've got a little bit of that. Adam Pally is from 1993. That's just <laughs> yeah. true. That's yes. just true. Mick Kroll is either from the 20s or now. Like, yeah. That's a special kind of person that only showed up right. in the 20s and do that. Or the 80s, too. I think yeah, he's, I take he's got it some back. 80s going on. I was going for a more clear, uh, decisive joke. But yeah. you're right. He could be in the 80s. Yeah. You are very now. I'm very. I've, I've done the work. I've thought about that. I'm yeah. like, I'm the guy with the iPhone. Like, I'm looking at my phone. I'm on a computer. Yeah. I don't, you don't want to see me looking at microfiche. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you're no, right. No, you no, could no. time travel. I don't want to so, see you in Studio 54. No. No. Especially because you know Actually, my shirt's going to be Actually, though, you could do it. You could do it. Well, yeah. you're kind. I'd need a hair. I'd need some hair. You would just need to, some, to be styled. And coke. Yeah, and cocaine. You ever do cocaine? No. Have you done cocaine? Yeah. Do you like cocaine? Yeah. You're into cocaine? <laughs> Very simple. I mean, I don't do it. Yeah. Uh, on the regular. On the reg, they say. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I... It's very, very bad for you, uh, so I don't do it. Uh, but and when I do it, I really enjoy being on it. I don't enjoy the uh, two weeks of horrible depression. suicidal depression afterwards. <laughs> Is anything which, worth that? Which I'm no, it's not. It's yeah. so awful. They it's say like, it's I'm going to jump out the fucking window. Well, you have the things that create uh, serotonin right. and all that stuff. And they're like these sponges, and they're so wet with the good stuff. And yeah. then cocaine just goes in and squeezes yeah, them. Yeah, for one night, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and empty for two weeks. You better eat a lot of fucking sweet potatoes. <laughs> Is that what replenishes it? I heard like orange things are good for, like oh. orange vegetables Did your are acupuncturist for... tell you that? No. Because that's I think my very... mother told me that. Well, your so why wrong. would I believe that? <laughs> <laughs> Carrots and sweet potatoes. And th- but she heard that from some natural path or something like that. Interesting. So tell me about... Uh, Mad Men. Yeah, you're there. You're in a beautiful location. Yeah, I mean, just you know, what stands out? Um, well, I mean, uh, being in the last table read yeah. of it was insane. Yeah. And emotion. everybody's there. Very emotional. Felt very much like I was crashing a party that I wasn't... 
definitely should not have been at. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, having been a regular on a lot of series, it is always weird dealing with guest stars. And then, like, being a guest star on series, it's always weird being a guest star. Yeah. Because, you know, that production is a family. Even if it's a dysfunctional family, it's a family that has, like, a real, you know, way of dealing with each other. Right. And then you're this other element or you're of the family and you don't want to like educate somebody on right uh, or like you don't want to have to rewind to week one where everybody right. was getting to know each other right. and so on know. something like mad men yeah. which has uh revolutionized television yes my revolutionized my the medium joke. i i think you know it's again it's like uh <laughs> it's like bill cosby it's like if somebody says that's the best show of all time you don't go what are you talking about that's right uh i've been watching it a lot lately Love um it. What season? And uh, I'm on uh, season six. I'm catching up mm. because I got distracted, even though I've always loved the show since it came on. Yeah. Uh, and really, I mean, you know, writing, you can't, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. Yeah. It's really some of the most incredible writing for, of anything, yeah. you know, of plays, screenplays. You know, he really is uh, a genius. Yeah. So, yeah, I... Uh, so I was, I mean, even the few lines that I had um, are just like so artful, you know. Would you uh, remember any of them? Uh, life is full of shoulds. <laughs> and you're not, and you're not doing your own spin on it. If you say a uh, and it's a the, you're going to be told it's a the. Really? Yeah, but he's a writer who, who deserves that that respect and i and i do you know for great writing like that that's how it should be treated yeah i think like mammoth yeah like mammoth and on the sopranos they said all the ahs and ums were all scripted yeah like chase yeah yeah amazing right you know yeah. mean, billy wilder and il diamond you know woody allen yeah yeah, yeah. uh another you know another fellow spike lee whatever you know yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I would, uh, I, unless they want me to impress another fellow, <laughs> another one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're all, uh, I, I appreciate great writing. I went to drama school, you know, so that's how I, I, I learned that simultaneously with improvisation. So mm -hmm. I'm down with both. If the writing is good, if it's a shitty script and that's, it is bringing other, uh, benefits to it. Other than, you know, where I'm like, well, I could shine in this and it make me look good in the midst of all the bullshit that is surrounding me. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I'll fight to try to improvise that. Mm -hmm. Or I, at this point, won't do it. Yeah. Um, back in the past, that was not the case. And yeah. if I, uh, you know, my career slips, won't be the case then. I'll do as I'm told. <laughs> but <laughs> from where I'm at, I'm in a place. But I don't, you know, I've been really lucky, though, lately to work all on great writing. Yeah. That even if they want, like, I was just doing a bunch of episodes of Love. Yeah. Uh, which is Paul and Leslie and Judd's show. And they want you to improvise on that. But the writing is so good that I I, I was fine with not doing that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh... We don't have to go to the buffet when the prefix is so delish. Exactly, baby. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, in the same case with, like, you know, like, like something that Adam McKay and Will Ferrell have written. You know, it's hilarious, but, you know. Yeah. Um... But, uh, they want improvising. Yeah, improvising, yeah. So you do that, too. But anyway, 
so yeah, that was the like the table read was crazy, and then we filmed in Big Sur, and I know John Ham. You know, John, John's a friend of mine. How did I get there? White van. Um, no, it's a big drive. Did they drive us? I think they flew us to Monterey. We stayed in Monterey. Ah, bold. And then we took a van to Big Sur, which was like, you know, a long drive. Mm. It was an hour or two. Yeah. Uh, Oh, you know, mostly on a cliff in a van. It was frightening, (laughs) but beautiful. Uh, And and then we got there and it was a ton of waiting. I mean, I'm not in a lot of the scenes that took place in that location. Yeah. and they wanted us all there. You know, it was just easier for production for all of us to just be ready to be there. And, you know, and our holding was this, you know, amazing property that was owned by some multimillionaire who uh, leased it out to the show. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was like looking out at waves crashing. Um, the person who I knew the best was the star of the show. <laughs> Johnny Ham. Yeah. Uh, was a great guy, but you know, what has a really uh, intense person to play? <laughs> it has an intense. Oh, does he have a no? Short no, no. I was trying to punch up the story because I knew you were going to just say something kind, and I wanted to be. But he has a he's very a fucking asshole. <laughs> You're a piece of shit, Ham. No, he's a a, a great guy. Yeah, and uh, and a you know, as we all know, a great actor. Yeah, and uh, so he had to focus on, uh, on the show, you know, on the the task at hand, which takes a lot of concentration. What do you want to hear? <laughs> That's really good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would just they had this little house for him, and he would go there. He had his own himself. house. He had like yeah, a, there was this intense. little holding in, on his property. Yeah, you know, you don't want. Need- and, and and like you know, speaking from experience too, when I've had to do like like on married or uh, or love, there's there's parts that are intense that yeah. that I that I I have to do and uh, and that I want to do, of course. Um, where you you know you, uh, you don't want people coming up to you and wanting to small talk, right? And I I don't think unless you do it, you don't really know what goes into it. Yeah. So you know I. I had some interaction with him where, like, he made sure to come and say hi to me and yeah. see how I was doing. And then when we were in the scenes, we were making each other laugh and stuff like oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, but uh, it was cool. I mean, That's it was, the best it was, thing I've ever heard. It was amazing yeah. to to just, like, have just a, a small part. It was also, like, just create. I didn't tell anybody because contractually we we couldn't oh, get huh? in serious trouble. Yeah, but I also was like I could be cut out. I don't want. Yeah, <laughs> I could. Be, they didn't really need. Yeah, uh, me. Yeah, in that. So uh, I didn't want to spread it around and be like, "Hey, I'm in Mad Men." Yeah, 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 yeah. But mostly it was because we were told that that would be really, really bad yeah. if we did that, which is understandable. I mean, the last episode for. Uh, you know, one of the most iconic, sh- one of the greatest shows ever. Yep. Weiner said he had that idea for the ending season three, I believe. I don't doubt it. And I want to know, talk about Morbid, did he have a contingency plan? Was he like, if I die, this is how it ends? Like, was there a... Oh, did he? I want to know. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised. You know what but I mean? I don't, I don't know. I tell my girlfriend all the time, I'm like, if I die, uh, this is where my hour is. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, this is where we filmed it in Indiana. I like that set. Like, this is my book. Like, please publish this. Like, have, have Rob edit it and publish it. Like, I'm, I'm morbid. I don't dread it, but uh-huh. I'm just like, we could go. And right. I, look, go to my phone. Like, there's every set I've ever recorded. Like, put out some bootlegs. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. That's yeah. that's ego right there. Is I'm like, <laughs> it's, it sounds no, like I, I'm, I'm like, ooh. It sounds like that? realism, but like people that know well, me know that I'm like, go on my computer, go in Google Docs. Well, I admire go to the, my Dropbox. I admire the acceptance <laughs> of that and the and the, you know, the the pure. Uh, you know the Real. embracing of of that that is a possibility for any of us to right. die at any second, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> to come from your voice is so funny. <laughs> any of us could die at any second. <laughs> that, that was just the highlight of the interview for me. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, but I, that's a problem. That's something I have a pro- problem accepting. Yeah, I want some assurance that that's not going to happen. But yeah. I. That's impossible. And what's crazy is it, it, uh, it'll be now. You know what I mean? We only live in the now. So when you die, that'll be the now that's happening. Right. And, I and you'll is, be ready for it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> hey, every, You'll be like, okay. Everyone else has done it. All right. Nothing. Uh, this is what's happening. If this game lasted forever, it would not be fun. Yeah. Yeah, right. And hopefully. To, to quote hopefully, Duncan. Hopefully. Yeah. Duncan Trussell says, you go in the, you go in the arcade, man. You're not going to play the game that lasts forever. You're going to put your quarter in the game that only has three lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's right. right. You don't, the, everything is better. Sex, art, beauty, those waves you were looking at, joking with ham is funny, is good. I didn't mean funny, is good because you know this doesn't last. That's, that's what we're here. It's our trip. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I feel like that is a very healthy way to look at it. I don't. Uh, I really want to look at it that way, and I think sometimes I do. But sometimes I have a very. I want some assurance that it's that's going to last forever. <laughs> I would love I, love it to last forever. I admire your honesty. I don't think you do want it to last forever. I guess maybe not. I mean, I guess I would want everyone to last forever. I, I would want it to just stay yeah, yeah. the way it is forever. So yeah, it's childish. I'm even, a child. I mean, you, you're just begging for your own Twilight Zone episode, although it would be so long. But would just check, right. in, would check in with you in a thousand years and would be like, you'd be like, I, cr- I ache for the grave. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like you'd Groundhog like, Day. The sweet release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. we know this because right. t- Tyler knows this. That's a right. Fight Club reference. So uh, that's a nice way to get into this. Is we always end the show talking about what you think it's all about, man. What's what is this? Life. <laughs> life. I think. Uh, Unless what, you had more on Mad Men, but please go on. Good life. Oh, um, I don't want to cut you off. Is what I'm saying. As I cut you off. No, no, no. It's fine. Then let's talk about life. It's fine. Uh, I think that. Uh, I'll put it I don't this- know. It's that whole, to paraphrase Socrates. Socrates? The person, Socrates. You know, uh, knowing is admitting that you know nothing. Yeah. I guess. There you go. And just trying, it's the moment. Life is the moment. And anything outside of that is not real. It's pure fantasy. Because the moment is, is not even totally real. Our perception of right now is, is limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shane Moss so, said, "If you hold, he learned from a scientist. If you yeah. hold your arm out at its full extension and look at your thumb, like you're giving a thumbs up to something in front of you, your thumbnail 
is how much your brain can process. And the rest is being filled in, you know, slowly. We are all Moses. We are Not all Moses. allowed into Jerusalem, but being able to see it. Oh, there you go. Outside, right outside. There's a good uh, interpretation of the metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't allowed in because he, uh, because he broke that... the tablets or something. Yeah, what but I, I actually now I think we're getting off the path. <laughs> I think when that that is the right wrong. No, the, right, the right, bad. right. No, no. I don't mean it. Yeah, I like what you. We got to remove the punishment of it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. just mean. I see. I see the the promised land. I know what it is, and yet, the oh, seeing it is not being in it. Right. Well, this and is that's what... not the point of life either. No, I guess it's just you know. Yeah, I mean, doing doing the best you can. Yeah, there you go. That's the point of life: doing the best you can. That's not bad. Well, yeah. Alan Alan uh, Watts talks about you can't taste your own tongue, you can't look into your own eyes without a mirror, that sort of stuff. That's something that I got really freaked out about one time when I was a kid. That you can't. It was either Hanukkah eyes. or my birthday, and Hanukkah. I realized when the candles were lit that I would never actually be able to see myself without a mirror or a photograph. So how did I not know that that mirror or photograph was actually how I really looked? And I would never be able to prove that to myself. And then you felt your face and you're like, oh, I'm Brett. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) let me see what I look like. (laughs) And then I brought my mother into the bathroom and I said, Mom, 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 is this how I really look? And she said, yes. I'm like, oh, okay, good. But what the fuck does that mean? She doesn't know. You're right. Because even if I looked a different way, I look the way I look to her. And that's orange to me and that might be green to you. Exactly. But I never stop tripping out on stuff and I don't think you should. No. I think those moments are to be embraced. We're supposed to go... Holy shit, how do I know what I'm seeing is what's real. Life is about the question, not, not the, the answer. answer. And painting a house. I, I said this to Val on Mushrooms. I was like, I think we paint houses and shit because of Brett, Brett, young Brett. I go, when I see that house, it looks like this. So then I paint it, and you go, that's also what I see. Uh-huh. And then we go, oh, my God. It's that urge to go, everything is manifesting in front of us, and we're trying to share our experience with other things experiencing it, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's why we record this. We go, we had it happen this way. We had the terrible, awkward podcast happen that way, and my perception was this, and it's, it's two guys going through the same town again. Right, right. Horny and this enough. is a good way to check in with ourselves. Yeah. Check in with, to bounce stuff off. That's right. Each other, and... uh kind of be able to take a break from being so wrapped up in all of it. That's right. Yeah. And everything. And promote ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe you have tour dates. Um, no. <laughs> well, also the fact that you're hoping like somebody huge, I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say, <laughs> I hope I hope somebody it. wasn't listening to this and be like, I didn't know that about him. It's so fascinating. Ah, you made Here's him do a it. million dollars to make a movie. <laughs> you made him the kid stays in the picture. That was Bill Evans. Bob Evans, sorry. Going like, oh, he's perfect. <laughs> I want exactly. to see him with his shirt off at the pool. <laughs> uh, I like that. I like how that Jew thinks. <laughs> <laughs> everything, going back to what you said about art and creation being the best thing we can do, everything, this is Alan Watts too. He talks about like this pen, when I bang it on the table, yeah. makes that sound. And yeah. that's a very, very low level of consciousness. Everything is just saying, proclaiming, you who, here we are. And that is what we do. 
And this podcast is me saying, look, here I am. And then people hear it and then they go, I see that. And then there they are. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's the listening, it's the hearing, it's the creating. Everything we're doing is creating. Even if it's monotony or boredom or ugliness, it's yeah. still something going, you who here I am constantly. Right. That's why it feels so good to be loved. Someone saying, I see you. I say this. I'm going to give a little tip. Got this from Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, the Zen, the Zen uh, Buddhist. You're all in this. Do you, you meditate every day? No, 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 no. I don't do anything every day, baby. Oh, okay. I'm an animal. Right, right, <laughs> I'm right, trying, right. I'm trying to use your... Right, yeah. But Thich Nhat Hanh says the best thing you can say to your uh, girlfriend or lover or partner or whatever is he goes, um, I, I see you. I see... I like to get creative with that. I go, I see you in there. I know you're in there. I'm here. And I'm here for you. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, your presence is the best thing you can give somebody. And that's what I try and do all the time. I'm trying to give that to you. Right. And that's love. That's love is saying yes to Brett, your thoughts, your feelings. That's why listening feels good. Right. That's why sex feels good when it's generous. Yeah. Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> you didn't hear me. Does Eddie like you? Does Pepitone like you, you think? Ah! <laughs> ah! Get going to the thing and the guy, he gave me a coffee and I asked for tea. <laughs> are you listening? Uh, yeah, Eddie. A, uh? And these are great artists who you feel like should have this notoriety that maybe they don't have as much as you think you should. They who? Should. Eddie Pepitone? I don't know, like your Eddies, your Brodies, your you know, people like this. I think it's your trip, man. I mean, it's your trip, man. I really do. I, I think, look, Eddie might break and that'll into a huge thing, and that'll make me very happy, obviously. But the beauty is in, in experiencing whatever it is you're doing, and this is the challenge of life. Right. Right now I'm writing, and I hope it gets picked up. Okay, fine. You can postpone your happiness to it getting picked up, or you can say, today I'm writing. Right. And if I figure out how to do that consistently, I'll share it with you. But the world needs all kinds. I don't want everybody – everybody can't just be, quote, unquote, crushing it. The success is playing your part and going, this is who I am and this is what happens in my life. And I do it with compassion and dignity and, and love. That's good stuff. Yeah. And there's plenty of people who are, quote, unquote, crushing it who are miserable. Exactly. Yeah. Look – the higher I get, the better view I get sometimes on, on actors, especially. I'm just like, yeah. have you ever been happy? Like, dude, like someone is blowing you right now and you're just like, ugh. The, I said smoked salmon and this is fresh. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, God, fucking yeah. kill us. No, what's like the two biggest things that actors complain about? Not having a job and having a job. That... <laughs> You are killing it. I don't know how... You're killing it. I don't know how many actors are just there. Like, like, you get to set with them, and I've I've seen it happen, and they're just like, oh, when do we go? Yeah. It's like, this is what you've been worrying about. Yeah. And you have it, and now you want to go? And then you get the money, and it's and then you, you're disappointed that that didn't do it either. Right. Like, the, the straight... I mean, the more I come down to it, some of my fondest memories are just like... Sitting on a porch or something, finding a little moment of stillness yeah. when you realize that it is just a game. But then if you do wake up to the game, you can play the game and you can lose your temper. You can get mad. You can be petty. You can be shallow. You can be whatever you want and just know that it's all just kind of a farce right. without ever uh, pushing it out of your heart. You're, you, you can, this is the goal of the mystic is to stay in the place, still playing it. 
not being pious or hey buddy, hey buddy, that yeah. kind of Jesus guy. Hey, yeah. and, and even it. then, you'll still spiral. Of course, <laughs> but the spiral be will be more grist for the mill of your awakening. I hope so. Of course, don't push away. That's another way it's I got push, you. I, do, I don't. I yeah. don't push. No, I don't think you do. Maybe you should push. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to do more pushing. I pull too much. What? Uh, this might not be a good question for you because you're already afraid of death. But do you think anything happens when we die? I don't know. You know, I mean, I am more leaning to yes than no. I just feel like with how I've experienced life and the synchronicity of things and mm. uh, uh, that there is something that happens. But, you know, I just I, I feel a universal connectedness. Yeah. And to me, it's just bizarre that so much life could explode and then just extinguish. Um, but I, I just I, I really I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to 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 think a, to to say you know when you have no ideas is is. I hope there is. Yeah, I hope there is like uh, something, um, but yeah, I really don't. I don't know. Yeah, no, I love it. What a great answer. I feel like a connectedness to when I've had those moments of enlightened in my feeling. I feel, you know, in, in my physical, you know, experience of, mm. of those moments, it seems to me to have, there's this unsaid merging of life and death yeah. that is not scary, that is quite beautiful and seems like a natural progression. I've spoke with many enlightened people who, um, it is a no brainer that there is a progression, yeah. you know, but I've mm -hmm. spoke with many people that are, uh, that it is a no-brainer that that there isn't, but I do find uh, atheists more prone to be personally flawed than people who are not. That's a hard one because, and then you could argue that they are flawed because they're accepting this this truth. But whereas you know people who are have a more spiritual bent are easier to deal with because they're more in denial of something or. Something like that, but you know, so you're kind of saying whatever gets you there. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of people who are atheists are like really uh, um, unhappy in this in in somewhat of a neurotic way, hmm. and uh, and I just I I I think that atheists too are 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 hypocritical in the sense that they don't see atheism as, as a religion, which it most certainly is. You're saying that you know what there is and that there's nothing. Well, they're saying that I've had this conversation many times and I always do my best to represent my atheist brothers and sisters. Are you an atheist? No. Oh. Brett, have you listened to anything I've said? <laughs> do you believe there's something else? I believe this is it. I believe we're two pieces of it talking about ways to define it. You know what I mean? This is this is all it. Uh, I, I'm reading what do you mean? Eat, Pray, Love and... Uh, she, what do you mean by this is it? I, when I see two things, two people debating the existence of God, I see one who believes in God and one who doesn't. I see two pieces of God debating how to, to define itself. And both are equally precious and essential. Right. But how does that connect to... With what? Afterlife. Your afterlife beliefs. I don't... I am 
firmly in the it's not our concern kind of Buddha. I I agree. I yeah. agree with it. That that is my my take on it. Because eternal life is the moment is eternal. Right. You know what I mean? If you can really wrap yourself around yeah. the idea of time just yeah, yeah, being yeah. the planet going around the sun and being, a, 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 you know, obviously something is happening because we decay, but it's just kind of something we've invented. So when you can really be in the moment, that is, I believe, the eternal life that all these mystics are kind of pointing us to. And the idea of going somewhere else is very strange to me. I think we're parts of this world and I think we potentially this universe. Can, this universe and I think we continue to express ourselves in different ways. I think that we are God expressing itself and therefore where could I go? I think that's the right. You know, that's a Ram Dass thing when, right. his, when his guru was dying. Life and, there is no said, life and death. He goes, where could I go? Yeah, right. He's like, don't be stupid. Where could I go? Right. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm leaning. Right. What was I going to tell you? I had something for you. Uh, it doesn't matter. Buddy, good times. <laughs> Good oh, times. wait, I was going to try and tell you, this is what it was. We were talking about atheists. Oh, yeah. They're not, it's not a religion because they're not saying there is no, uh, this is hard for me to, again, it's not, they're all like rooting for me to get it right now, by the way. Oh. They're not saying uh, there is no God. They're saying the evidence presented says there is no God. They're saying it's not their belief. It's not a faith that they have that there's no God. And that's what they would define a religion as, is having faith in something. Oh, right. They're saying the evidence that you present s- suggests that there's no God. I had someone explain it to me like this. There's a thousand-sided die, and you throw it in a well. They can't say that sky god, which is the god they're often disproving, this, which I would say is a straw man that you're burning. But the sky god, the, the lifeguard god, up on a cloud, watching us like reality TV, judging, labeling, and then giving us an afterlife based on their performance. That is one of the options. On the, Let's say it's a million-sided die. You can't say for certain, it's in the well, that it didn't land on seven. But they're saying, most likely it didn't. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And they're also saying it's probably a hundred billion-sided die. And maybe the absurd abstraction of a sky god is one of those truths. Uh, but they're saying right. that – But to their, go – this is what I was – Their god is science. Yeah, and to that I say – Science is always changing. My god is also similar to science in the sense that I was going to say Elizabeth Gilbert taught me that Dante defined god as the love that hung the sun and the other stars, right? So I'm talking about the energy that keeps your electrons moving in your atoms. You know what I mean? Even, right. even a dead person is an active thing. Even a stone is an active thing. Right. So I'm talking about the unseen pulse behind everything. When we start kind of anthropomorphizing that into a man in the sky that has preferences and would prefer you not to finger your girlfriend until you get married, I'm with you. I don't believe in that God either. No, no, no. But I also don't need an atheist to believe how I believe because it's all a dance, baby. And that's your thing. Be that guy. Be adamant. Be angry. It's beautiful. Other people will find peace and truth there. And I'll be over here with the weird hippie dippies. And there's a lot of stuff that I can't prove from staring at a flower that moves me and and, and really helps me transcend. Or music helps me transcend. And we also need to recognize, first and foremost, that we are very lucky to be having these thoughts and feelings at all. That most of the world, most people, most animals are not even given... They don't even have the, the they don't have the luxury, yeah, it's a luxury to be able to to think in this way. I forget who had and the because they're too busy trying to just survive. stay alive. Exactly. Well, that that's the consciousness spectrum, and at the base is just basic survival. Mm-hmm. 
And you're absolutely right. I was thinking about that in terms of my parents. I was like, I wish my uh, mom, for example, would get more with Buddha. Pete, you're lucky that she had her faith to give to you in the way that she understood it because she even had less time than I have to sit around and read new books and watch new right. documentaries. It is, it is a luxury. But the good news is is that the truth is there, I would say, for everybody who can just quiet themselves and turn off their minds. You would hope so. You would yeah. know it in, in your gut. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I would hope so. You know, it's got to help people be able to have that, that time to be quiet, right? I'll tell you, your fascination with death might enjoy this. The Buddhists and the, all, the, all the kind of presence flow people, the Taoists and this stuff, they're all trying to be in the moment because death could come at any moment. And the goal of any good mystical believer is to not uh, panic in the moment of their passing. So because you could pass at any moment, you might as well be present all the time because you don't know where it might happen. Similarly, T.J. Miller, my most, one of my most brilliant atheist friends, says the goal of every good atheist is to not cry out to God on your deathbed. And I was like, that's the goal of every good mystic. It's the same thing. Right. You want in your moment of passing to let it into your heart and go, this is how it is. This is how it's always been. And I'm going to leave the stage without fear and without panic. And that, it's, that's why I say two pieces of the same thing arguing on how to define itself, and both are equally precious and essential. Right. I, I love the way TJ looks at the world, and the more we talk about it, the more we find this weird common ground. Never good Jew on their deathbeds. It's too hot in here. <laughs> every, good, every good Jew is <laughs> panic the most you can on your, on your deathbed. <laughs> you are a magical man. Huh, you are. Thank you. Oh, thanks for doing it. Do yeah. you remember the hardest time you've laughed? That's a fun way to end, and we'll just that'll be your last little. Oh one. man, the hardest time I've laughed. I've, yeah, I I have laughed very hard many times. I believe it. It doesn't have to be a good story. Just like if anything comes to mind, a, a location, a, a day, your birthday, your your high, uh, a movie. It doesn't have to be a story. Yeah. Um. I will say, I mean, the time I jerked off into that fan. <laughs> God, I laugh so much. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. The time I jacked off in the fan and then uh, caught my dick in the fan, <laughs> sprayed with my own blood and semen. No, uh, that's terrible. Ah, and I had never been happier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know the the times that. I've laughed with Janixa are very special to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one person laughing. Yeah. It's just such a, like, uh, a, you know, it, that is like more than anything, like a culmination of, of the beauty of, of, of life is like this person who I'm connected to. And we are experiencing the utmost form of joy through a lot of hardship right now mm. as well. Or no matter what hardship is going on, not that we don't laugh when, we're not feeling that hardship, mm-hmm. but uh, we often feel hard, feel uh, hardship. So, um, yeah, that is that is to me maybe my favorite laughing because to see her be alleviated and me be alleviated along with her is very. It's life. It's the most life affirming. It's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. I am. 
I enjoy your relationship from afar. <laughs> Literally, I've been watching you. Fuck. <laughs> so, no, no. When, uh, it just sounds lovely. As the last time when I saw G- Billy uh, Eichner on the Emmys uh, say Goldfulb to this woman that he was interviewing on the street. <laughs> she wait. Well, when she didn't know what an Emmy was, uh. and she made up a word, and he <laughs> repeated that word uh. to her. I'm I'm fucking it up, but that's yeah. good. That I, made me laugh really fucking hard, I, but it also made Janixa laugh really hard. So then that's a bond. There you this go. is I just tweeted this because it made me laugh so hard. This guy's playing Wheel of Fortune. You can see it online. It's for a car, and he already lost a million dollars in the same game. Yeah, because <laughs> he said Achilles as Achilles, and you have to say it right. As right part of it. So it's clearly on the spot decision, like on the spot D E like blank, like I, I blank blank, you know. Uh huh. It's so clear, and he goes, "I'd like to solve." This is the guy that's already lost a million, right? And he goes on, on the spot dice spin, dice spin, on the spot dice spin. <laughs> Buddy, I've and been there. That. I've been there. Like, like yeah. I like it's not me going, you fool. I'm like, I'm dice spin too. <laughs> and you and you're on TV saying on the spot dice spin. And you had already lost a million. It was like the third boner he had pulled. And he goes, I'd like to solve. So confident. On the spot dice spin. <laughs> and just that. Yeah. Eh, that's the wheel f- sound. Oh yeah, the last, uh-huh. the small, the last kick in the ass. Yeah, and That's then the so and then the girl next to him picks up his slack again and says, "Decision." Right, and she got it before with Achilles, and yeah. she won a thousand dollars because she wasn't even on the board. He was up for a million. It said the full. It said the full thing. It said mythical hero Achilles. Yeah, and he goes, "I'd like to solve." Obviously, mythical hero Achilles. Uh, <laughs> and there's the longest God. pause, and then, and that's a man losing a million dollars. It goes to the girl next to him, and she goes, "Mythical hero Achilles." She wins the minimum. Because she had no money. Right. He lost a mill. She made a thousand. If that weren't oh, bad enough, fuck. ten minutes later, he said on the spot, dice spin. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's all I got. I love it. <laughs> Thanks I love so it. much for doing it, man. Thank you, man. Would you treat us to your earthy brogue and say, keep it crispy? Keep it crispy, man. <laughs> keep it crispy. You keep, keep it, it crispy. <laughs> Are you trying to sell me ecstasy right now? Keep it <laughs> Cap it Christy. <laughs> Keep it Christy. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. 